Big Weekend Gaming, a podcast that dives into gaming news, analysis, and reviews. If you'd like to help contribute to the growth of this podcast and community, please leave us a five-star review, as it helps people find us. With that said, let's get on with the show. Shut up! Big Week's on the radio! Shut up! It's Gaming Park Studio! Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been a big week in gaming. I'm Insegott, he's Swinney, for episode 3 on Sunday the 2nd of August 2020. In this week's show, we'll be discussing the announcement of the pre-order for the Analog Pocket. Yes. Uh, further leaks from Nintendo, and Swinney's thoughts on Konami. First off, uh, Swinney, I just wanted to say, happy long weekend. Ah, uh, yes, totally. <laughs> So, just for the context, and this is this is like the most ridiculous thing. But in Australia, I think it's the east coast of Australia. Uh, we have a thing called bank holiday. So if you work at a bank, you get a public holiday, and no one else gets it. And it's legitimately the greatest holiday ever. <laughs> I love it. It's it reminds me of my whole um, get your shit done day idea, where the the immediate counter is. Hey, it's basically the concept is everyone should just get a day off once per year to get the stuff done, like get the taxes done and do things like that. And the immediate counter is always, well, what about the people that work at the post office and the tax agents and everything? It's like, well, they get a different day off. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> like it's it's already it's already out there. We just need to reapply the other side of things. <laughs> well, we're trying to start it. We're just, you know, we're, us bankers, you know, we really think of other people. So we want to lead from the front and have a day off for ourselves. But maybe one solution to it is you should get a day off on your birthday. I wonder if any country does that. Hmm. I think countries, I think some countries do it, but they give everyone the same birthday for that holiday. So it's kind of besides the point. It's just another public holiday at that point. <laughs> I guess it's like you, yeah, but you know, if you if you work somewhere, you you have to show your birthday, so they would know your birthday. So you know, that's like a legitimate way to go. Okay, well then, that's how we're going to decide if uh, you know we give you that day off or not. Well, not that it would be a choice if it was a public holiday for your birthday. I, I do like your idea of having a day off, like a sequence day off for everyone to go and do stuff. Well, because it feels like sometimes you just go, oh, okay. when am I supposed to buy a suit? And and by the way, <laughs> bank holiday—that's what people used to do. That was the day when you go and um, you know get a a suit or do anything like that. And I have to say, just quickly, you know, in Australia there was a royal commission into the banks. You know, so it's similar to like Congress investigating the banks. It was quite serious, um, and. I think a lot of people internally thought, wow, okay, this is going to be gone, <laughs> this this public holiday. It's not going to survive it. Uh, and it did actually survive it amazingly. So I'm not sure if it's ever going to go away. It's the most ridiculous public holiday ever. I love it. Well, back to your birthday idea. What, yeah. about, the, what about the poor people born on early, uh, you know, February 29th? What about them? Uh, well, okay. So on that, ha- like, what's the code? What is the code? Do you celebrate it the day before or the day after? What would you do if you're in that scenario? I think you'd probably try to, like, get credit for it on both days. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't expecting that answer. Of course you're going to give me an answer like that. 
What do you mean credit on both days? You try to like, you know, you tell, what are you you, talking you, about? You tell some people, <laughs> oh, it's my birthday today and it's the, you know, it's the 28th. And then some other people say, oh, it's my birthday today. It's, a th- it's the, you know, the 1st of March. It's like you try to like <laughs> stretch it. You get the most out of it. So my theory is like, it surely should be the day after because it's kind of like going past that day. You know what I mean? And then it's your birthday or something. I don't know. It's, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, this is but like, I, it feels like, more natural if it's February. Because like if your birthday is February 29. It's like the question you asked me yesterday about when is midnight. Like, don't try to bring actual common sense into this. It's just, it's, oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's make, ask the audience. you got to make the choice by heart. <laughs> we should. Okay. So if anyone's listening to this, when is midnight? So this podcast is coming out on Sunday. And from our perspective on Sunday, is Sunday midnight in the future or is it in the past? Now, Sweeney got the wrong answer, of course. It's, see, I, I don't treat midnight as an exact period of time. It's, oh it's an estimate based on personal preference. <laughs> it just reminds me of the conversation I had with my mom about this, where she was saying, well, we don't, we don't think of it as, you know, on the, like, so midnight is at the start of the day. So for Sunday, it's basically Saturday night, 11.59, and then it goes to Sunday midnight. But my mom was trying to argue that, you know, yeah, yeah, that's your definition, but, you know, we don't think of it like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, it's a definition. Like, you can't, you can't change a definition. That's it's not a, your own truth. That's the exact kind of answer I would give as well. Yeah, <laughs> it may be technically right, but it's not my opinion. Uh, and actually, uh, talking about midnight, and I'll just segue into the next topic because I had to stay up past midnight to see what the announcement was of the analog pocket. Um, so as I suspected and flagged last week, <clears throat> uh, the analog pocket, uh, there was a, there was a date basically, as we called out last week, uh, and it was in Australian time, 1am. Uh, so I, I, I actually didn't think that they were going to go on sale the analog pocket at that time. So I was actually just in bed on my iPad and I was like ready to run to my PC if, if something went awry, like I couldn't log in <laughs> to a store if they did <laughs> offer it. Um, but yeah, they did, they did reveal. So essentially they announced another announcement, which annoyed a lot of people. I think it's fine. I think it means that people can go through all the information and understand what they want to do. Um, so essentially the pre-orders for the analog pocket start on Monday the 3rd of August at 8am Pacific Daylight Time, uh, which is tomorrow from the time of publishing, 4pm British Summertime, and then in Australian Eastern Standard Time, Sydney, Melbourne, it's Tuesday the 4th of August, 1am. So it's about a day and a bit. Um, the analog pocket itself is going to be 200 US dollars, which is about 280 Australian dollars. Uh, $100 for the analog dock, so that's about $140 Australian. And I actually did check the shipping to Australia for sort of like a similar product from analog, and it worked out to be about $140 Australian, which is like very, very punishing, of course. Um, And these things ship in May 2021, and they have a limit of two per person. Now, like there's heaps of features and things I want to jump into, but... Like Swinney, like your impressions, because there were some new announcements. It's a bit of a refresh thing. What did you think of it? Oh, sorry, I wasn't even near my mic because you've got like a high school essay size 
amount of notes on this scene. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just gonna go make a coffee and then come back when you've like been through. Um, no, I look. It looks amazing. Um, I've never seen it before. Um, in some kind of at least like pre-rendered screenshots. Is that correct? Like it's something yes, we've seen yes. before. Okay, like and you know, as I said, <laughs> as I said last time, I'm really deep on this community. <laughs> like I'm in the I'm in the the Discord <laughs> subreddit, like everything about it. So there was a a tweet from someone like who designed the analog pocket, who had a prototype version, and they'd taken a photo and sent it to a friend on Twitter. So it was a public tweet, but it was like a public tweet in a, you know, non-public thread, if that makes any sense. So it's just like a little thread back and forth. And he's like, oh, hey, have a look at this. And then some people in the community found it. And it was like, oh my God, it's the first time we've actually seen what it looks like outside of a render. And then they took that tweet down. But of course, being the internet, they'd save that photo. So with the exception of that, yes, it's always been pre-rendered images of the pocket. Yeah. So I remember seeing the pre-rendered, you know, I'm obviously not as deep on analog as, as you are, but <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I did see that at the time because, you know, it did make news. And I remember thinking, oh, that, that's amazing. I'm probably never going to get one for various reasons, but it would be awesome. Um, I do have a lot of Game Boy Advance specifically, but I've got a bunch of Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance, um, that I'd, I'd love to have a really nice system to play them on. Uh, my used to use my original... Th- uh, Nintendo DS for my Game Boy Advance games. I never actually had a Game Boy Advance, so it's weird that you know I've got so many of them. Um, but that kind of thing, I bit the dust a while back. So, but uh, honestly, it I, it's it looks great. What can I say? Yeah, and mm. from everything I've seen, that you know you're probably going to get into some more details. Um, it like even the dock, um, just the form factor, um, and yeah, it it looks awesome. Yeah, and you know, for me, this was really like honestly probably the dream product for me. And I was like waiting for Analog to make something like this. It's always kind of been a bit rumored from them, so they've they've actually had a really long history. They started off making Neo Geo actually, um, like not, and I don't want to use the word clone systems, but it's almost like replication systems. So they're using either actual um hardware so they you know with the um the nes uh replication machine so the the mini nt they there was a time where they were actually taking the boards and like manipulating the boards and putting their own like processes on top of it and getting it to pump out into hdmi and doing lots of really really cool stuff um and i'd always wanted them to make a pocket or like something like this just because like, I'm probably more, in a weird way, of a handheld gamer than a console gamer. I've always loved handheld so much. Um, you know, I was obsessed about DS. I love my 3DS. And, you know, this system being a, you know, Game Boy Pocket style sort of form factor, you know, being able to play Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance cartridges, obviously no emulation. It's all FPGA stuff. Uh, and then the screen is just insane. So for me, you know, like as much as people go, oh, this, the cost, and uh, the cost is really high in Australia because of the shipping. But if you're in the US, you know, it depends how you are and how you're wired. For me, I'm a bit of bit of a perfectionist. So I love things being, you know, like original quality as much as possible or, you know, scaling properly, doing all this kind of stuff. Like I get obsessed about that. 
And it really annoys me with the 3DS that, you know, if you plug in a Game Boy Advance game, it's not quite the same resolution. And then you get all these weird artifacts or you play it in the original mode, but then the screen's a bit too small. Um, And just to call that out, like with this machine, the resolution of the screen is insane. It's 1600 by 1440 pixels. um, And because it's like, so that's 10x, the original Game Boy screen. So for every one pixel on the Game Boy screen, it's like 10 by 10. So there's literally 100 pixels representing one pixel, (laughs) like on a Game Boy screen. Um, But what that allows them is the flexibility to be able to, you know, make the screen and the scalers representative to like Game Gear or Neo Geo Pocket or the Game Boy Advance, Game Boy. Um, And then also they are allowed to do variable refresh rates on this display, so it's, it's like literally, like everything leading up to this, I was su- super, super pumped and I was more than happy to get it. And the kind of the only thing that was bugging me was that the original design, the button placement for the home button and the start select essentially was like in the bottom right. And it was just like, oh, you felt like, you know, you could be touching that or like accidentally pressing it. And they actually changed that and moved it to the center, which to me is just another illustration of the company and you know, how they're willing to like listen to the community and respond to the feedback. Um, And then just other, yeah, go on. Sorry. You said about price, this is not the kind of product that you, you know, is going to be sold on big W stores or anything like that. This is, this is a niche collector, you know, um, enthusiast product. And also just, you know, you know probably more about this than I do, but just from the economies of scale, you know, like the production side of things, it makes sense that it's cost that it's priced where it where it's at. Now, does that price a bunch of people out that probably would love it? Yes, it does, because you know, it is fairly expensive, especially if you're having to ship it to Australia. But, you know, like any criticism beyond that, I think people just have an unrealistic expectation of what this product is. Mm. Yeah. And I, and like the thing that I would always say is kind of what's the alternative? Because if you are wanting to argue, okay, I want something similar to this and I can get it for much cheaper, well, show me what it is. Because, you know, if you go back to things like, you know, the Game Boy Advance itself, you know, the backlit and even the backlit screens of the AGS 101 models where they had those backlit screens for the Game Boy Advances, the SPs, you know, like to actually modify them, buy buy one, get the screen, do all the work, and then by the way, you're still stuck with this sort of battery technology. So then you've got to potentially go install a third party battery into it that's rechargeable, and you actually do all the numbers, and you you end up with a number potentially even higher than this. And to me, like getting something like this, where you know it's designed from the ground up. And and honestly, like the aesthetic and the design is just off the charts for me. It's it's actually uh, very reminiscent of something like um, Apple, where it's like just very high quality. You, you can tell that a lot of thought has gone into it, um, and you know, the, the, you know, it, it's just I don't know. I was I was super buzzing after after this because I was like, wow, this is they've actually improved things that I even wanted them to improve, uh, and they've also released other details. So for instance. Um, they didn't announce this when when it first came out, but there's a sleep and wake function. So basically pressing the power button, you can suspend the gameplay and it basically turns the display off. And then, you know, you can pick it up straight, up, straight away again after that. 
Now, I like it's probably the one thing that I'm not so sure about because in all the materials, and I read through it really closely. Uh, and you'd like this, Winnie. I read through it so carefully. I actually noticed a typo in one of their documents, and I reached out to them, and then they came back to me and go, oh, thanks, we're going to fix it. I, I saw the <laughs> note about that in in the uh, run sheet, and I thought, that is the nerdiest note I've ever seen. <laughs> you reached out to, to get them to fix it. A misspelling. No, like, to be clear, I wasn't saying you should fix this. I just said FYI, just so you know. You know, and, like, I'm a perfectionist. I get it. And I feel like this company is a bit of a perfectionist. And I'm sure they're like, oh, well, no, you've got to fix that. We can't have a typo in a document. That's just unacceptable. Um, The other thing that was really cool with the doc is that they've also announced that the connectivity to the dock. So the whole idea of the dock is you slot in the analog pocket and then it can display it on a TV, which is pretty much exactly the same concept as a Nintendo Switch. Um, but what you can do is you can actually connect via Bluetooth, like from a controller perspective. So if you have a 8-bit DOE controller that's Bluetooth, it will connect to that. But then there's also these new uh, controllers from 8-bit DOE that are 2.4G. So the reason why that's interesting is just because they have extremely low input latency. So it's really much like playing with a wide controller. And you can also plug wide controllers into it. And it has like about four-player support. Um, all, the other things... Sorry, that, all, those, yeah, go on. all those Mortal Kombat um, Game Boy esports <laughs> players are going to be very happy about that. Or Street Fighter, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right um and just you know i i could literally and i've got to pull myself up you know i could rattle on about this whole thing and everything that it does but just probably to cover some of the other major things that weren't known prior to this so game boy studio which is a little indie project um they, they're actually going to have a version two of that and basically it's a software that you can create your own game boy games and it's very plug and play drag and drop i've actually checked it out it's on uh, itch.io and it's actually really, really cool. It's a bit like um, RPG Maker. So they're releasing a new version of that. And the cool thing is it's going to create like Game Boy ROMs that can be played on the analog pocket. So even potentially down the track, you could actually have a run of like homebrew games or, you know, you could create your own cartridges that could just slot into an original Game Boy. Um, and then the other thing that they opened up is a developer program. So you can actually... Uh, you know, create your own cores, or you could bring over like the Super Nintendo cores uh, that already exist, or the Genesis ones, and turn this into a portable Super Nintendo machine. Uh, and then finally, last couple of things I thought were really cool. Y- you can support Tate mode, so you can actually spin the screen in any direction. And because you can use it with the dock, that means that, you know, if you flipped your CRT, you could play like portal, like those kind of games in that mode, which is pretty sick. Um, and then finally, it does have a headphone jack. So although it does have that Apple aesthetic, it uh, doesn't have their view on some of the hardware choices that they've made. So yeah, like I'm super pumped about this. I'm, I'm vibe. I'm like, yeah, I'm just over the moon. I literally couldn't sleep for like hours after this got announced, which was really annoying because it was like 1am. <laughs> uh, but they haven't answered the big questions. Which is what? The questions that Swinney wants to know. <laughs> yes, go on. Does it support the Game Boy camera and printer? It's actually a really good question. It's actually a really good question. So, yes, it should be able to. Now, the question that I have just quickly is, 
how big is the Game Boy camera? Like, what's the shape of the cartridge? The, and, like, how would it slot in? I believe it was the size of a normal cartridge, but then the just it, the head of the camera protruded from ah, the top yeah, of the Game yeah. Boy. Ah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I'm not sure. That's question one. you got to find that out for next week. <laughs> You've got well, a, I don't you know got, if you've got, you've got connections with them, so you, you, they owe you one. <laughs> you you fix I'll their ti- you, you fix their typo. They owe you one. Um, <laughs> question number two: Does it will it support Boktai? The sun is in your hands. That classic Hideo Hideo Kojima game on Game Boy Advance. That's what I want to know. And lastly, what, wait, wait, wait! I don't know what that game is. <laughs> oh, you are cultured swine. Dost thou not know of Boktai? Um, Boktai was uh, like an action RPG adventure game on the Game Boy Advance that used the sun as a gimmick on the cartridge. I do know this game, actually. I do know this game. I've never heard it. I've only read it. Uh, yeah, it would support it. Okay. And the, my last question... <laughs> Will it support? Uh, there's two games here: Kirby's, I know tur- what you're say. Kirby's yes. uh, Turn and Tilt, or whatever it's called, and WarioWare Tilted. Yes, it should. <laughs> it should. So, like, the key is just like: is the cartridge like h- how is the cartridge shaped? Like, is it shaped in such a way that you know? That's the one thing about the Game Boy c- camera. I'll have to reach out to them and find out <laughs> because of the length of it. I'm not so sure. Actually, it might actually. Because I have seen, oh, maybe not. Because when I think about the images, I don't think it's that flush. I think it's a little bit lower, the Game Boy cartridge in the slot. Because you may think Swinney is joking here, and I don't know why I'm talking third person all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> is, think about it. If someone wanted to emulate those games, they they, like, I'm sure there's a solution out there, but it's not how the game was intended. Like, you need oh, the hardware... For that, you know, I'm sure that you could probably emulate WarioWare on a mobile phone, and there you go. It's got a, a gyroscope in there or whatever, right? Um, but Boktai, what mobile phone is able to probably like replicate the sun sensor? So, jokes aside, like I think that's actually going to be interesting to see, um, like from the Game Boy camera standpoint. Not that people probably care that much about it, but you know, I'm sure there's niche communities out there that still like make cool art with it just like they use game boys for like synth music and stuff and uh from what i've seen the analog pockets kind of in that gonna have some inbuilt synthesizer or something for that isn't isn't it yeah it has a whole you know and that's another thing i could spend hours on it has a whole uh digital audio workstation so and it can act as a synthesizer and a sequencer so you can plug this and the cool thing is they've actually released or they're releasing um, a whole bunch of cables that support MIDI controllers and other types of controllers. So you can plug it into your like laptop or into like a physical, um, you know, MIDI setup or, you know, like different controllers and sync cables. It's so it's like insane. Like what the options are is actually, I'm like super tempted to order some of the cables with it. Cause I, I was getting into uh family tracker, which is the uh, Famicom uh, tracker where you can actually do chip tunes so, because there isn't a, it is even a small part of me that I, I might have a crack at making a chiptune version of the Big Wig intro <laughs> as the backing track and keep the audio, like the singing that Don't you do on it. Spoil it. it. 
<laughs> now, okay, so just like live feedback. I'm looking at the cartridge and the Game Boy cartridges are flush. So I actually think the Game Boy camera would work on it. Mm, there you go. So that that would be sick. I have to say that would be. I think uh, my wife actually has a Game Boy camera still. They need to make. So it- I will test it in May 2021. Put a put a calendar invite in my diary. They need to make a Game Boy camera analog. It's like a, a Gorilla <laughs> Glass. It's it's like it's you know got a it's FPGA inside of it. You know. <laughs> Uh, and um maybe just to round it out so just going on about what i because it's getting sick uh, what i'll be ordering on tuesday in the morning uh or monday night i'm surely not going to go to sleep for it so <laughs> do you want to actually have a guess what i what I'll order so if you go to analog.co slash store they'll actually have the link um or if you even click the link at the show notes on our end all right, I, I just I'm, want you to have a bit of a guess right, as I'm, to what you think I'll order. I'll bring it up. But first of all, before the link even opens, I know one thing that's going to be on my order. Said what? limit of two per person. So there's going to be one for me. I know that. <laughs> well, I am ordering two. <laughs> okay, so I'm on the page now. Oh, man, yeah. this, thing, this, like, this thing looks so schmick. It's I know. insane. It, it like, is insane. <laughs> it really is. It's like... It's almost better than some of the actual big oh, hardware companies. Man, that that gif, that little video of playing Mega Man. Oh, man, I used to have Mega Man. Uh, I think Mega Man Two on Game Boy. That game was yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, like there's the later Mega Man's, like Mega Man Five. It's like a different game, and it's actually a legit good game. So, oh yeah, it actually was really good. Um, all right, I don't know what I'm looking for. What am I looking for? The store? Oh, so if you go to menu and then just click store. Okay, I'm on the store. Or do you want me to just rattle off so or do you want to have I, a crack? I reckon you're going to get one of each color, first of all. Correct. Ding, ding. Yeah. So I get one, one point. You're going to get... Oh, my God, this is where... Could, you're going to get one dock. Yep. You're going to get... Just one, just one. You're going to get two hard cases. Oh, so I was only going to get one, but I think I actually will get two. <laughs> um... I don't know if you'll get the screen protectors because you probably think you might be able to get them cheaper somewhere else. So I, okay. So this is a personal thing. I don't use screen protectors, so I don't have a screen protector on my iPhone. Now I do have a screen protector on my switch, but the switch has a plastic screen. And that was another thing that they announced in these announcements. They're actually using gorilla glass for their screens, the latest version of gorilla glass. So they're going to be really, scratch resistant and like you know aren't likely to shatter um so my theory is like it doesn't really make sense for me to get a screen protector because i don't know one single person who's ever uh replaced a screen protector because the screen protector is a bit scratched you know what i mean Hmm. Okay. So I, do, I just don't see the point okay, in it. Okay. So, no, I'm not going to order those. <laughs> Thank you for that dialogue about screen protectors. <laughs> this is like, honestly, I cannot explain. This is this is like the biggest announcement for me this year in gaming. Okay. This is like, I'm so excited Welcome about this. Welcome, everybody, to the official Screen Protector podcast. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I don't know if you're going to get a power supply. No. Nah, didn't think so. You'll probably get the Game Gear adapter. I'd say I was on the fence about it. I don't know. You reckon I should? I feel like I should for just, you know, you know, there's a big story about me getting a Game Gear when can I was you, a kid. Can you so play, maybe, maybe, would you be able maybe to play Master System games on the Game Gear adapter? <laughs> I think you would, actually. Then I reckon it's probably good because there's a lot of great Master System games. Um, and 
Uh, that's probably it. Oh, maybe a pocket to pocket. Yeah. Yeah. So the pocket to pocket one, uh, so they're actually got a link cable and these are the link cables that allow you to plug in like a, a pocket to another pocket, of course, or a pocket to a Game Boy Color or a Game Boy Pocket or a Game Boy Advance. Like they're the link cable that's like a universal link cable. Awesome. I don't know if you know anything about the link cables with the Game Boys, but they're all very specific and very different. Like a lot of them don't, they're not compatible with each other. I do not know. And honestly, I do not (laughs) care. Thank you. Now, the biggest one that's tricky for me is all the MIDI stuff. (laughs) Like, do I get that stuff? I don't know. I don't have any of this stuff. So I feel like I probably know. Do you look? Chances are you'll probably be able to get something that's going to be able to do it in the future anyway. If you really well, want I don't to. know. Can you? Can you? Because isn't it like proprietary? Why are you asking me? You're the person that's written an essay about this stuff. <laughs> okay, so this is the final thing I need to decide. Because the problem is, if I ever want to do this stuff... And like I said, I was playing around with Tracker and, you know, doing all that stuff around, um, you know, coding that stuff. And I thought that was pretty fun. You know, this thing is like hardcore built for that synthesizer stuff. You know, I look at it and I go, geez, like, if I want to get into this later, the shipping to Australia is going to kill me. You know what I mean? Hmm. But it's like a hundred bucks if I get all these cables. I don't know. I'll decide. Look, I'll I decide. think I think you. I'll decide on bank holiday. <laughs> I feel like a fat cat or something. <laughs> use use the money you would have bought a suit with for this. <laughs> uh, yeah so look i'm super pumped like what what color would you choose if you if you, no, i'm not buying you one but what color would you choose if you got one damn it damn it that's how you tell me oh i'm shattered <laughs> um i mean they both look pretty cool but i'd probably go with the white because um it reminds me more of like the game boy mic uh no what is it game boy pocket I know that's silver, but that's the thing that it like mm. the form factor reminds me of the Game Boy Pocket. Well, that was actually my first Game Boy, uh, the Game Boy Pocket, and I loved that thing. And I had a I had a silver one. Uh, like I, you know, I am getting both, but I think I'll take the black one. And it's kind of weird because I do actually have all of my handheld consoles. Almost every single one is white, and I've always picked the white option. But I find that I play more at night now than I did when I was younger, and like it, the white doesn't work as well as the black in terms of stopping reflections and you know all that kind of stuff. It's just like better to play on on a all black screen. So yeah, so that rounds out analog pocket. I'm kind of sad because there's not going to be any other news on analog pocket now, and it's going to be ages until these things ship. And and just quickly, like you know, there was a lot of uh, you know I, I guess a lot of people quite annoyed in the community just around. You know, they're announcing the pre-order now and it's not shipping until May 2021. Uh, like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I like just quickly, I think, you know, I'd rather ha- know now and just go, okay, we're going to buy it now. And then they make as many as they need to based on the demand. And yeah, like there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. So it doesn't really surprise me that much that it's May 2021. Look, be happy this even exists. <laughs> fair call, fair call. Well, in other news that is uh, about being happy that things exist and and we now know about it, uh, we did talk about leaks last week, Nintendo leaks, um, and then 
This week, we've also found out that there's further leaks. Uh, so, you know, often referred to as a Giga leak. You know, so last time it was really more about Super Nintendo. This time it seems about Nintendo 64. And there are actual rumors that there's further things to come out uh, very shortly, actually. Um, and it just seems like someone's sitting on a treasure trove of information. That's And again, you know, we didn't mention it last week, but I'll I, I probably mention it every single time something like this comes up. We certainly don't condone this and definitely don't encourage it. Um, and I actually think if anyone does have this information, they shouldn't share it. Um, but it is out now, out there now, and, you know, that is in the public. Um, and there was some really, really interesting stuff that came out. And, and was there anything that really caught your eye, Sweeney? So... Definitely. I mean, the big one that this week that a lot of people talked about is Luigi in Super Mario 64. Yes, Luigi is real. Yeah, I remember, you know, like in that booze courtyard, you know, there's the statue with the engraving. Everyone's like, oh, Al is something, you know, what can we do to unlock Luigi? All these gaming myths. And it's, it's good to know, finally, that he was there. We couldn't. There's no way to get him, but people have been able to actually replace him and into the game uh, because they've got access to the, the source code as well, which is insane. Um, and they're actually running around as Luigi uh, in his Super Mario 64 model around uh, Mario 64. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and, and like on that, and like, look, this kind of stuff is so full of misinformation. It's just incredible. Like the amount of stuff out there that's not correct on it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just on the Luigi stuff, and, and just for everyone who's listening, I'd actually encourage people to jump on uh, Modern Vintage Gamer, so MVG. There's a really good YouTuber, um, and he covers a lot of modding stuff, and he has really, really great videos on, on this, and I'm sure he's going to publish a lot in the future, because this is right in his uh, wheelhouse. And, you know, he had a really good point, and I agree, and I sort of, you know, had thought about it as well around the Luigi stuff, because people are kind of now describing it as... Luigi is in Mario 64, which is not correct at all. So, like, if you look at the Mario 64 that we got, Luigi is not on there. You know what I mean? It's not like Luigi's buried in the code or buried in the ROM or buried in a file on that game or anything like that. He was, you know, there was a model and they've recreated the model, which is really sick, but the actual thing was never coded in. Like it was never incorporated in the code. There was no make files to be able to, you know, compile that, you know? So I I think it's a bit disingenuous that people are saying, you know, he was in the game. He he certainly was, you know, and and let's be real, Shigeru Miyamoto all the way back to like 96, I think it was or 95 actually said that they were uh, experimenting about putting Luigi in the game. So it's not like, this was unknown information, but yeah, seeing the model itself is really, really cool. And you'd be great. You'd be great at, you know, at parties like this. <laughs> like, seriously, do you have to do hairs on this stuff? They they found the model that was designed for Mario 64. Let people have that. Bloody hell. I'm, I'm not taking it away. I'm not taking it away. <laughs> yeah, okay. So some other stuff. Um, this, you know, we've obviously Yurizelda we've known about for a while which was mm. i believe um was that that was the one that was meant to be delivered via satellite it was like an upgraded version i believe of Zelda i thought it was 64dd no so i believe 64dd was a different version my really? that was my understanding so Yuri Zelda is not um the 64dd i believe it was a different version i could be wrong on that oh okay but anyway like there's some prototype i guess no no assets. no you are wrong i just checked it 
Because Your Zelda was a Nintendo 64 disk drive expansion so that was disc the D- designed the DD, for okay. Ocarina of Time. So they yeah. maybe the okay, all right. So yeah, I'm cool to be wrong every now and then. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Um, but yeah, go on, go on. So some other cool stuff. Um, but wait, wait, can we can we pause a second? Because I always hear about Your Zelda, and I never really know what it is. Well, it was... It's just like an expanded version of Ocarina of Time, right? Correct. Like more dungeons or something, yeah. Yeah, so it was just, um, yeah, they had, you know, they had extra, I guess, you know, memory to work with or whatever the 64DD was doing. Um, So they thought they'd do an upgraded version. And with the fact that the 64DD didn't have a long lifespan, um, they obviously canned it after, you know, after the first bunch of titles um, they released in Japan. Um, But, I mean, we got essentially you know like a bunch of weird characters that came out of it that you know have shown up in smash brothers trophies and things like that so Mm. but some other cool stuff um you know they've apparently i don't know where they got this from but um there's some clear audio of of lilac wars um voice line this was so crazy yeah and to (laughs) non i guess pal territories uh that's Star Fox 64 so um specifically the classic dual barrel world uh, line by, from Peppy Hair, so that's that's really cool. But there's also you know a bunch of other audio stuff that they found, uh, such as the vo- some of the voice actors from, from Mario and Peach saying uh, potential different Mario Advance um, lines. So I can't remember oh. the exact title. I think it was Super Mario Advance Mario Two or something like that. Um, you- oh, can't you get it straight, Mario Advance? being Super Mario Brothers 2 and Mario Advance 2 being Super Mario 4, Super Mario World or whatever it is. <laughs> it's insane. But hey, it's always ridiculous, I, convoluted. I played Super Mario Advance heaps when they put it out, so it was good. I think it was good for them to start Mario 2 anyway. But yeah, saying different versions of that. There's a bunch of weird stuff though. Like there's some cool <laughs> unused um, art, you know, or early art uh, sprites for... Mario of Wings in Mario World and Luigi flipping the bird <laughs> or like using his middle finger at least and like Yoshi early potential versions of Yoshi and just some weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, they were cool. But one of the weirdest things for me was the fact that they found what is very clearly meant to be Beavis from Beavis and Butthead in <laughs> F-Zero X which is like So I didn't know about this. It's the weirdest thing. So I only thing. knew this when you called it out yeah. Uh, and it's like, who who else could it be? Like, it looks exactly like Beavis. Um, but there's some weird stuff. Like, even there's, like, that weird balcony graphic. It's, like, 2D isometric with a whole bunch of Mario characters. Toad is, like, smoking. There's Mario's naked. It's just super weird. Um, when I say Mario's naked, there's, like, there's a balcony in front of him. But, you know no one knows what that was used for and assuming it's it's real um i'm guessing it's probably if it's not for a game then it's probably for like a magazine graphic or something like you know famitsu or or nintendo power or something like that but just Mm. some really weird stuff but it's kind of cool but there's definitely a part of me that like i didn't actually look up a lot of this stuff it was hard to avoid the luigi stuff but I didn't go out of my yes. way to look at any of this until I realized that, hey, we should talk about this um, on on, you know, on the podcast. So yeah. for me, there's an element, and it's the same with your the cha- YouTube channels like your Beta 64 and things like that, where I kind of don't want to know how the sausage is made sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of like a 
a little bit different. Like I just feel like, you know, the whole point of the art form is you do a lot of work and it's that analogy of like a duck on water. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes underneath the surface, but you just want a smooth thing on the top. And I feel like, you know, a lot of this production stuff, you know, where they're working on things and experimenting with ideas, it's not actually, you know, the reason why it doesn't get out there is because it's to them, not their best work, you know? So they don't actually really want people to see it or listen to it or play it or do all those kinds of things because they're like, oh, you know what, we don't actually think it's good or it's just a prototype or a vertical slice we put together. And I don't know, it feels like, you know, if I was creating this stuff, I'd be a bit annoyed because it's like, well, there's a reason why it wasn't in the game because we didn't like it, you know, and it kind of maybe tarnishes or, you know, has a weird perspective on, on what you're doing and, you know, how people have received it. I don't know. It's look. It's not something I would hunt out and encourage, but it is really crazy seeing some of the stuff. And there's like other stuff that we probably won't go into. But again, you know, because it's coming directly from their corporate network or something like that, you know, it has all the really random stuff that you see uh, normally, like on a corporate network, and including inappropriate things uh, that have unfortunately been included in the archive. Yeah, and I will say probably my favourite thing actually is um, just because I'm such a huge fan of the game, but with Yoshi's Island, um, you know, we mentioned last week that there's prototype versions of that, but um, there's some sprite assets showing, um, if anyone remembers, Yoshi's Island has almost like a a cartoon, uh, sorry, a crayon style, art style. Mm. And around a lot of the, like the terrain, there's really thick black lines and mm. they have like a sprite sheet that has that and then a sprite sheet where it has just like one pixel lines, almost like close to the Super Mario world or something like that. And it just goes to show that, you know, like how such a like them going out on a limb because honestly, like it was risky to kind of experiment for with um, an art style, especially that early on. You know, they do it all the time now. Mm. But um, it just goes to show that, you know, the process where you're like, well, Rather than be conventional, let's try something different. And that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think there's some conflation in this Giga Leak where people were sort of going, oh, now that they have the source code for Mario 64, you know, we could do whatever we want with it. And the actual reality is a lot of the files are just empty. So it sort of says that's the file, but it doesn't have any data. So a lot of the games you can't reconstruct anyway. And there's already been a lot of work, especially on Mario 64 recently, uh, there was a decompilation program. So basically, you know, it's taking the the ROM and they've worked out a way uh, to reverse engineer it and basically come up with the source code independently. Uh, and then they've actually ported that to PC. And then just over the last few days, they've actually ported it to the 3DS. Um, and I think that that kind of stuff is really cool and like the work you need to do for that to reverse engineer it, it's all actually, you know, work that they're doing without this information. Um, so like one part of it for me is like, I just hope it doesn't threaten those type of projects where it's actually people being creative and trying to do this really hard endeavor rather than just stealing the information and getting a leg up that way. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see where the, the legal stuff lands on this um, because I mean, it's out there, you know, um, you kind of, you know, can't stop the floodgates now, but there's definitely, you know, investigations being made about how this happened. Um, and 
I reckon there'll be hell to pay for certain people if they can discover Oh, it. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And switching from, you know, very retro news and then flipping right into more modern stuff, Halo Infinite. So there's actually been a really interesting update around Halo Infinite. So initially it came out as a bit of a leak and a question around... There was a conversation um, from the Smith's Toys website just sort of saying that the multiplayer would be free to play uh, and also support 120 frames per second. And, you know, at first people were like, oh, no, is this actually right? And no, Microsoft actually came out and confirmed that Halo Infinite is going free to play for multiplayer, which is really, really interesting. What, what, what did you think of this as the Xbox Xbox person of the two of us? <laughs> I'm the Xbox person. Um, <laughs> so, I look, I'm I'm a little of two minds of this. Um, I I think I think it has the potential to be great. Um, you know, really build a really big community. Um, but with Game Pass, I thought, well, they're kind of already there because essentially, for a lot of people, they. Obviously, there's a cost to Game Pass, but for the people that already have it, it's almost like the games on there are almost free. It's weird, exactly. you know, like a weird mindset. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, to be clear as well, yeah, it is just the multiplayer, not the campaign, which is interesting because I I think they put the Forge mode of Halo 5, I think it is, on, on Windows Store at some point, and that was free. So it's not the first time they've tried something like this. Mm. But... The, it's going to be really interesting to see, though, and this is where the other side of me comes into it, um, is what does that mean for the actual design of the multiplayer in terms of progression systems, um, in terms of what, I guess, free-to-play games would typically include? Does that mean that, you know, they have come out and said there won't be loot boxes and things, but they will be forms of microtransactions. So... Mm. The assumption is there's going to be Battle Pass, like your Fortnite, like your Rocket League, your Call of Duties, every, basically every game these days. Yeah. So I guess it, the original was probably Dota with that stuff. But, mm. you know, that that's, that's you know, it's almost a given at this point. Um, I just hope that it does not affect progression in that sense. You know, I've said last week that I'm a fan of when multiplayer games that, doesn't matter if you play for 200 hours or you're playing your first game you're on equal ground yeah it should always in my opinion be you know okay it's cool to get ranks and stuff and and things like that but they don't affect the gameplay i remember playing trying the bioshock 2 multiplayer and suddenly everyone that's playing the game and ranked up has got all these cool perks and abilities and it's like well how is that fair and it's the same with assassin's creed which actually had a the, I think with um, Brotherhood and um, a few of the other games that had the multiplayer, the multiplayer in those games are actually really cool, but you were at a huge disadvantage if you just started because a lot of the best abilities you didn't get till later on and you had to play a heap of the game to get them. So I really hope with it going free-to-play that it is it only sticks to cosmetics um, and it doesn't get very predatory with, with its uh, monetization. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a few things there. So I think most people now feel that pay-to-win stuff, you know, where you can buy your way to perks that give you an unfair advantage, that that's becoming almost, you know, 
not unacceptable, but just to a point where people just don't like that at all. And it really sours the whole experience. Well, you can thank you know, Battlefront 2 for that. <laughs> well, yeah. And sometimes you need these extreme examples that wakes up everyone. And I think also that game helped um, push a lot of uh, jurisdictions to really question loot boxes to a point where... You know, you're, you're actually seeing them phased out by the industry without regulation because I think they see the writing on the wall and they don't want to be forced, right? Yeah. But, you know, you've got the really big ones like FIFA where they literally make like a billion dollars of revenue a year on that game. It's just insane oh, from the well, loot boxes well, and stuff like that. NBA 2K with actual casinos in them. It's it's just <laughs> mind-boggling. And, oh, I do God. wish we were doing the potty back then because that, that was... Oh. like you know an unbelievable moment it was like a trump like moment in gaming you know where it's like really are they saying that like is this a joke is this an elaborate joke or something um but yeah just going to your point like so pay to win i'm 100 percent on the same page as you like if you can buy something that gives you you know a better shield or something that you can't normally get like that's just bs but you know progression i'm kind of a bit of two minds i think you know it sounds weird that i'm saying this because this game's kind of not built to be competitive but one thing that splatoon 2 really taught me and splatoon 1 really um is that you know giving people different roles and feeling like they can participate is quite critical as well so i i I think it's okay if you have a bit of nuance if you've been playing for a while maybe you have certain things that you can do abilities but it's this balancing act of how do you make it in such a way that it doesn't make it unfair for a newbie to come along and, you know, I've certainly felt this when I tried to get into Rainbow Six Siege because I thought, mm, this kind of game, you know, I love those type of competitive multiplayer games. But just getting into it, and it's like everyone has got, like, maxed out packages and you have to buy operators and all this kind of weird stuff. I was just like, Ugh, it just kind of put me off the whole thing altogether. So, yeah, I'm kind of, I get where you're coming from. I'm probably not as extreme in terms of just really disliking a game completely if it has any of those elements. Um, well, speaking about just Splatoon, going... Splatoon, let's hope they don't bring across Splatoon's non-existent lobby model. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, and yeah, park that side <laughs> oh, of it. I God, think the is... gameplay itself. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. I only played that game for one night, and I just cannot believe what we had to go through just to play a match. That was insane. <laughs> so, yeah, the context is Splatoon 2 went free on a weekend. I got Swinny because I love Splatoon 2. I love that game so much. And I would play it so much more if the online was better. But, um, you know, I love it so much and I tried to get you into it. And <laughs> the fact that there's no real lobby system. You have to kind of join at the same time as someone else and then hope that you get in the same sequence of match with them. And then it's like, they could be on your side one time, they could be against you the next round. It's so dumb. It's so, it's really like insane because it's actually worse than Xbox, Xbox Live, the OG Xbox. They had a lobby system in Halo 2. So like, it's quite amazing that that's not in it. Um, and, and just like one thing I wanted to round out was, and a concept that I'll probably talk about a lot is there's a concept around perceived versus actual value. And, you know, I guess there's a bit of marketing as well, but you do want to maximize your perceived value over the actual value you're delivering as a company. Like essentially that's what all companies are trying to do. And this announcement was really smart because I saw it and I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like, what the hell? Like, they're going to go free for the multiplayer. Like, that's probably the first thing I'd want to play with Halo Infinite. But then, you know, what you said at the start, I was like, 
hang on a second, wait, like if I was in the Xbox ecosystem, I probably already have Game Pass and you got to have Xbox Live. So this is kind of like a nothing announcement for me if I was in that situation. But the way it hits people, it does actually sound really crazy. So it's very smart marketing, I think, if for nothing else. Definitely. Mm. And also just confirms that the multiplayer is launching with the game. I do have some concerns about whether the game is going to launch in a you know coherent manner. Um, probably not as bad as Anthem, but you know three four three has already had experience with rough launches. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm I'd get a bit nervous just from a you know if you're a big Halo fan about this game personally. Oh, look, I think I had I don't remember any specific issues around uh, Halo four or five, so. I think with Master Chief Collection, they just they tried to bite off more they can chew in one go because with with yeah. Master Chief Collection, the original launch, I mean, it was there was everything at once, with the exception of ODST and Reach, which they brought out later. Um, mm. So on the PC, they've at least staggered the release, which I think is has worked out better for them. So yeah, for sure. So sticking with their Xbox ecosystem, Battletoads, we now know a release date, August twentieth. Right around the corner. Initial thought around this was just, I feel like we've heard very little about this game, and now it's coming out in a few weeks. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of people forget that it exists, and it doesn't help that its <laughs> yeah. first trailer, which was um, E3, I, can't, I think it was probably two years ago at this point. I don't... Yeah, that was my gut feel. It was about 2018, yeah. I reckon. Um, it wasn't a great trailer. Now, I won't say... So they've got a new launch trailer that it's probably the first time I've had a good look at it since then um, because I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge Battletoads fan, honestly. But um, it was much better um, because they showed up a lot of... I guess what they're calling the multi-genre gameplay, which makes sense. It's Battletoads. So there's, you know, obviously the the racing kind of turbo tunnel style levels. And then there's, they've got like what looks like, um, you know, shoot 'em up style levels like you Gallagher and things like that. Um, it looks really cool. Um, it's, I mean, it's a follow-up. It's a, the last game in the franchise was 1994, which is crazy. <laughs> like essentially Battletoads is only around for that three, three to four year period and they put out a whole bunch of games across different platforms and then it just kind of went away which is strange to me because it's it is beloved by a lot of people it i think it is definitely an overrated game in many regards it looks amazing it can like there's so many things that should have hit the the you know my buttons so to speak but it's just I think it's horribly designed. Um, it Not even the Turbo Tunnel. I'm cool with the Turbo Tunnel. Maybe they could have made it slightly easier, but whatever. It's levels afterwards that are just... It's just trial and error in pure form. And I remember there's one level where you're racing against like a rat down these things and you need to know what you're doing. Otherwise, you just have no chance of winning. And that's yeah. that's horrible design. There's elements of that in, you know, Mega Man when you're dropping through delays and stuff, but that's very quick to learn and it's easy to repeat and get back into the game. Battletoads, if you lose there, you can essentially start back at the start of the game. And, you know, I have I nearly beat that game, but I had to use, um, like, rewind features and things with the Rare Replay to do that. And I'm just like, how would anyone ever play through this 
Normally. I like that claim. I nearly beat that game using rewind features. Well, that's why I made sure to say it in the same sentence, because <laughs> it's not really beating it, but I wanted to at least experience the game. And then you got yeah. awesome people out there like the Mexican runner, the speedrunner, who's who's great at that game. Oh, yeah, that you guy. Know, like yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like there's people that can do it, but they're, they're people that obviously have... They're freaks of nature, basically. Um, oh, yeah. But what I want... Yeah, there's some seriously frame-perfect stuff that you need yeah, to do in Battletoads. But when I watched the trailer... Like frame-perfect. The other thing that really stood out to me is... I don't know if you remember the Dark Queen, uh, who's like the big bad yeah. guy. Um, so she had a incredibly overly sexualized design. It was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but there yeah. were elements of design like, okay, that's actually a cool design. You know, I'm happy they scale it back a little bit. But it's like they went completely opposite direction. It's it's really weird how they've chosen to redesign her. There's yeah, it's like a nerd or something. Yeah, it's almost like a Steve was it Steven Universe or some kind of you know like Nicktoons kind of thing. And it's like okay, but I think it's a bit much. Like, still, it kind of loses, I guess, the the essence of you know of what you probably going you go into that game to relieve a lot of nostalgia. And I think. A decision like that is a bit questionable, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm willing to give this a try. Um, any bet, it's going to be better designed than the original games, um, simply because it's probably going to be more accessible. Um, and I don't mind a hard game, but that game, the original, was ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, like I own the original game on the NES, and, and I like I don't know why I I owned it or. I had that specific game. Maybe it was just like, you know, back in those days, it was you going off very limited information and, you know, sometimes it's just the cover or some magazine spoke about it and it looked cool. That that game, for whatever you want to rate it, like two out of five, three out of five or whatever it is, it is the most well-known two out of five game that existed on the NES. Like, it's not a good game. Battletoads on the NES, sorry to break it to people, it's not a good game. Like, I totally agree with everything you say. It's... It's not well designed. It's not fair in its toughness. It's not earned in its toughness. And it was a bit symptomatic of that era around, you know, having really, really hard games. Fine. But it, it was to a point where it was like ridiculous and it just wasn't really fun. Um, but very popular um, franchise. And I'm, I'm really surprised they haven't revived it earlier because it's probably one of the few franchises that people, yeah, they know it. Like, if you go, hey, there's a new Battletoads game, they actually know what that is. Yeah. So... I, I wouldn't, I'm, su- I'm still surprised that Rare never took a stab at it on the N64 because that kind of felt would have felt natural to, you know... And maybe there was something that... Maybe there's some hidden archive thing out there that, you know, has come out in the past that I don't know about that, hey, they were, they were you know, planning on doing something like that. But it's... It's it makes to me it would have made sense. Hopefully, again, like it would have been a better game. Um, you know, like you've always got to have Battletoads is always probably going to be a hard game, but I think you can approach it from a much better direction. So, mm. well, I think one thing about Rare and what was happening in the N sixty four era and the early GameCube era was Nintendo. I think they realized that they needed to stop them making their own IPs because it was becoming a risk. So they actually started to force them to change their games into Nintendo IP games. So, for instance, you know, like Star Fox Adventure, that was going to be like Dino Planet or whatever it was going to be called. 
dinosaur planet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and there's lots of instances of that for N64 as well that they're like, no, 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 don't make this, make make it a Donkey Kong game or make it like something like that um, in the Nintendo IP wheelhouse, which is smart. Like to be honest, when you're working with the second parties, but yeah, look, like I think this game, you know, you give it a chance. It's going to be on Game Pass, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those weird ones where I feel like if the gameplay is tight and fair, it actually could be an awesome game. Because the Battletoads, as an idea, it's super cool. It's just like, you know, a totally rad version of uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a total ripoff of that. So, like, from that perspective, it's fine. So, you could, I could say a cool game coming out of it. Um, but yeah, the original I don't like. <laughs> but it's very, very famous. Very, very famous. And I still feel like people don't think of it like i almost think if you made a very faithful follow-up of that game people would hate it because they probably don't realize how bad that game was yeah it's that game it looked great it had so many things in its favor but if you just tried to play it it was miserable mm. and now I'm, I'm not sure how you'd even segue to the next topic talking that we about have. miserable <laughs> <laughs> no not really um so Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis. So that was unveiled in the Xbox Game Showcase um, that we talked about last week. And we did mm. we did go over it uh, briefly, but now we actually know what it actually is. So um, Sega put it out there and uh, we finally, you know, it's kind of like got an explanation, but it's for people, I guess, that are into PSO2, it's probably still probably got a heap of questions because... The whole thing about it is that we thought, okay, this, they're essentially going to Realm Reborn the title, even though PSO2 is incredibly popular, has been since it, it came out um, mm. in Japan originally. They're going to overhaul it graphically and in a lot of ways. And they're kind of doing that, but it sounds like it's going to run simultaneously alongside normal PSO2 as two separate things. Yeah, two separate universes, right? Yeah, and because... PSO2, I've only played probably PSO2 for about five hours or so. So definitely um, haven't experienced everything that game has to offer. But um, in terms of like when you go out to the missions, like they're they're definitely kind of narrow corridor things with smaller open areas where you're obviously doing your missions and things. Nothing like what we saw in this trailer. So everyone's like, what is going on? Um, So yeah, essentially this new Genesis is what they're calling an open field online RPG. Um, the graphics engine, as we know, and the game systems are completely overhauled. But what's interesting is PSO2 is also getting the overhauled graphics. So it's like, okay, so they're trying to appeal to, I guess, people that like the current form of it, as well as appealing to new people, potentially. But they'll, so they'll coexist and you'll allow, you can bring your character across, but it doesn't that it doesn't include character growth or your level experience points skills or anything like that so basically you can bring your character across and how they look and probably some other things that you know are very specific to you know probably your account but you it's it's essentially a new character and i think some people probably enjoy that it's a chance to you know like you're not coming across as super powered and in end game gear and everything you're just you're, you're the same person, but you're starting from scratch in this new, I guess, version of the game. And, yeah, it's it's just but really interesting. Is it a new version of the game? Is that what it is? Well, it's, I don't new, know. It's, it's a new stream of the game. 
It's. I just feel like if I was making an honest trailer of this, it'd be, <laughs> it'd be something like, from from the country that brought you Kingdom Hearts. Oh God! It's just like, what is this? This is like, you know, you 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 you're in marketing, right? Um, without giving too much away, you're in marketing in that space. How would you market this? Like what? It's like it's I I you know. I read about this stuff more than I ever had before, obviously, because we're doing this. And it's just like, I'm trying to wrap my head about what is this? The thing is, they don't... It's like two games where they're different universes, but they're kind of like shared and like mirrored or twin or... It's it's so weird. The thing, though, it's it's PSO2. I don't think they have to try that hard because (laughs) it Fantasy Star Online has a a very loyal fan base. Sure, sure. But why are they doing this? What's the purpose? think they're just well you got to think pso2 as it is at the moment other than obviously the console ports is an eight-year-old game that they've been expanding upon so the, this is before they probably even planned on bringing this to uh, xbox and i'm guessing it's going to be on you know the platforms and stuff but is they i guess they're just they're creating a new experience but they're not they don't want to go to the point of saying this is pso3 this is just like a side story kind of thing so it's something else that people can play and the key point, some something else people can spend money on. But I don't understand because it's called, it's still called Fantasy Star Online too. It's just got the subtitle difference, right? Yeah, but if you look at the history of Fantasy Star Online, they've it's 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 the same kind of stuff. So they did Fantasy Star Online oh, okay. episode one, episode two, episode three was a card battler. You know, they've done different stuff like this in the past, and. They even had Fantasy okay. Star Universe, which was um, on PS3 and Xbox 360. I actually completed that game. Okay. I completed an MMO that's not really an MMO. Like, you know, it's 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 just weird, the history of Fantasy Star online specifically. Yeah. Um, I just wish that at some point they'll actually make another Fantasy Star game, like a single player. That'd be really cool. But, hey. Yeah, well, that's where it originally came from, right? On the Master System. Yeah, so I, I played through, I think it's Fantasy Star Online 2 and... Um, I think that that series could, it's kind of what I guess uh, Star Ocean is to modern day, you know, anything yeah. that's like a sci-fi JRPG is kind of cool to me. But And then also to confuse the message a little bit more, Fantasy Star Online 2, like, uh, what do you call that? Do you just call it Fantasy Star Online 2 and the fact that you don't say New Genesis infers that you're talking about the the one that was released? Yeah. In 2000, <laughs> I feel like you need to put brackets. You know how now people say Doom 2016? You need to say Fantasy Star Online 2 20, 2012. Well, they they are referring to themselves as PSO2 and PSO2 NGS. So when you're talking about fan, like online, okay. that's how people just refer to them. So. Okay. Yeah, and just to convolute the message a little bit further, uh, PSO2 is coming out to Steam in the next couple of days on August 5th, right? Yeah, so it's been available through like their own launches and things i believe um in the japanese market and potentially other markets as well um so now it's actually just come to steam which i think is mm. that's going to be see a huge boost for the community and i don't know if there's cross play between um xbox and pc players right now but it wouldn't surprise me if that's potentially going to be part of it um if not now then soon enough which with that kind nice. of game is is only going to add to the community so i guess following on from that one um our, last week, we also talked about um, spiritual successor to uh, Suikoden, which is Aiden Chronicles. So they had a kickstart. They announced a kickstarter last week. 
and it's already it hit its goal in two hours. So this is pretty crazy. Um, I think at, at the time when I actually checked the amount, um, I think they had reached 1.5 million within one day, which is pretty mm. crazy. Um, now, Suikoden is not the biggest known series, and it's a it's a Konami franchise, and we'll talk a little bit about Konami later. But oh yes, it's that means it, it hit its stretch goals um, for the console releases. So originally it was only going to be on PC until they, I guess, hit those stretch goals. So apparently now, you know, assuming that it does get actually produced, um, you never know with Kickstarter, but um, it'll be coming to Xbox One, PS4, Xbox Series X, PS5, and I guess whatever Nintendo console is uh, the most relevant at the time, whether it's Switch or the next one. I don't... I. I kind of doubt at this point that it will actually come to Xbox One and PS4, just looking at the timeline and stuff. But hey, maybe it's further along than uh, than what we know. But they, they've been pretty upfront, um, similar to you know other Kickstarters, where this is more, I guess, for them to then prove to investors that they've got the mm. you know what they need to to sell this game and produce. And this this is almost just for I guess the added extras that they want to add to it. So. So yeah, yeah, because the Kickstarter, it, the goals, that's not enough, even for a game as scaled down as this. So, you know, the, what what do you call it these days? It's almost like a two point five D RPG, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. There's not really a term for this, but I feel like in five years' time there probably will, because I feel like more games like this will come out. Um, but I mean, this there've yeah, been games it, like this coming out on, since the PlayStation era, so it's not a new thing. But they've just obviously. They've had a, a, a spurt to popularity um, with uh, mm. Octopath and things like that. So, yeah, but it's not like the budget's certainly not enough to actually make a game like this. Um, but yeah, to be fair, like you said, they're calling it out and sort of saying, "Yep, like they want to demonstrate that people are interested in this." And I certainly think um, the amount of money that they raised, they've kind of proved that pretty quickly. And you know, it still blows my mind how much this looks like Octopath Traveler. <laughs> like, I feel like if you just take the images, it's just so crazy. It's like a carbon copy almost. Um, yeah, the good thing, though, is that you know it will actually be a very different style of, of JRPG. Yeah. Because just um, just knowing what I know about Octopath, I've still yet to actually play that game, but just knowing that the way that the progression works and I guess how the narrative weaves in with the different characters to choose from the beginning... Um, it sounds like very different than what Suikoden has done in the past. Um, I could be wrong. Again, maybe there is Suikoden game that plays exactly like Octopath. I don't know about, but um, it's yeah. But it does look very similar. But hey, you know, last week, bring it on. You know, any more games? Yeah, it look looks like awesome. This, it looks awesome. Better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like the aesthetic and it looks awesome. And you know, it's good that games like Bloodstain have done well. Um, and I think it's starting to prove. Uh, that those kind of games people want to play and hint, hint to that uh, studio behind a lot of those IP that people are desperate uh, to come out. And I know that you're going to cover that a little bit later. Yes. Now on to uh, what could actually legitimately be the biggest game of the year. And no, <laughs> I'm not talking about uh, other games that just released in the last few days or Last of Us Part 2, but Animal Crossing. Oh, you mean Corona Animal Crossing. Crossing Corona Crossing. I, I think, like, you know, based on the numbers, they're already saying that Animal Crossing is almost selling as much as Last of Us Part 2, but Last of Us Part 2 is including digital and physical sales, 
whereas Animal Crossing is only including the physical sales. So I'm like, wow, this game is like so much bigger than we even realize. So there's a new update, so a summer update, <clears throat> which is highly offensive to us in Australia, given that it's winter and it's a winter update for us. You know that? Oh, <laughs> so, let, me, let me say something about that. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. frustrates me to no end when websites and, you know, like a lot of, I guess, outlets say, oh, summer 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. They, or fall, which is even worse. Yeah, and they do not clarify anything else. And I'm like, okay, now I have to go and look up exactly when summer is and make sure, like, okay, does that line up with my understanding? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, because I don't <laughs> what get it to memory about? when freaking summer is in the US so I can bring it up whenever I need it. Like, I have to actually remember that stuff. <laughs> I have to look it up. What? I'm like, when is... To- I don't know when summer is. I couldn't tell you now. Is it reverse of ours? Is it when it's winter here, it's summer there? <laughs> what? Oh my god! What are you talking about? No, the exact about? month. I'm yes, of course. About the month period. Of course, it's the opposite. Of course, it's is the, it the opposite exact of us. Opposite, what are you though? talking like about? Three month period yes. of us. Our winter is exactly three wow. months. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. So, I'll give you credit a little bit that in the US, in a lot of places in the US, they they count summer and winter a little bit differently than the way we count it. We count it as the first of December is summer, and it's three months. Uh, in the US, it actually can be, I think from the middle of, um, like, so if you're thinking about it, so then there's like six months difference, they can actually count it from, I think the middle of June or like even yeah. the month before the exactly. middle of June, and, depending on where you are. But generally about. it is just six months. No, no, no. Generally it's just the opposite okay. of us. Because it's, it, that's what that's I'm, what I was laughing. that's what I'm talking about is the exact like month periods. Because when someone <laughs> says, oh, it's June in twi- summer 2020, I'm like, Okay, well, what month? Yeah, that's potential winter. Months, that's now. What for potential us. months is that? Like, that's what I hate. <laughs> is that sure? It's sure. like we've. I know that obviously you got websites that you know you look at if they looked at their analytics and stuff. Like the vast majority of people are readers are American. Right? I'm not saying that's oh, not yeah. the case. Oh yeah, or European. But that's the thing. Like European as well. Like at least do something for that. It's the same season. Okay. Anyway. What are you talking about? Do you not know that Europe has the same seasons as the US? Oh, what? But they're in different part of the freaking world. So how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking about? Seasons are based on hemispheres. North and South ah, hemispheres. Anyway. You should actually... Okay. You should play Animal Crossing. Because in Animal Crossing, you can play either the Northern Hemisphere or the Southern Hemisphere. And then you can learn about how the hemispheres work. No, but in that's the, the thing is, right? That's what I'm talking about. Is that I, I think that th- that stuff needs to be more inclusive to pe- for all readers. Oh yeah, for all readers. That's what I'm talking about. It, it 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 annoys me to no end when I read something and it says fall of 2020. We don't use the word fall in Australia, so I need to then count it out in my mind what the word fall means Actually, and then convert it into Australia. You know what pissed me off the most is when. Um, uh, was it Bethesda was putting out uh, Dishonored. And the word Dishonored is spelt with a U over here, right? <laughs> or Honor, yeah. Dishonor. I'm like, okay, fair enough. They don't want to entitle the the game that. But just I remember just like driving to, to uni or something like that and having to see like a stay behind a bus for like 40 minutes that had the sign Dishonored. I'm like, spell it. Like, oh, we spell it. When you're advertising to us, it's frustrating. Uh, All I can say is, I want to take you to a party. (laughs) You sound like a lot of fun. Oh, come on. (laughs) 
<laughs> How do you explain the Labor Party, the Australian Labor Party then? All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, getting back to this update. For the biggest game of the year. And you know what? Can I just, you know, this is also going to tie into a segment we're going to talk about later. Game of the year. Is this game at all going to be in any consideration of game of the year? Animal Crossing. I mean, it's so beloved that I feel like it's going to be so ignored in that space. Oh, it depends on the outlook, really. Um, I mean, mm. the thing is, I don't consider Animal Crossing to be much of a game, so I don't think it probably deserves oh. to be on Game of the Year lists, my opinion. That's ridiculous. Of course it's a game. <laughs> anyway, so in terms of this update, so it's coming, it, it's actually uh, live now by the time we've published this. So there's Dream Suite, so that was in prior games as well. It allows people to visit like a dream version of the player's island where you can actually make changes to your island. Um there's also a firework feature and then some further features around the camera mode, but probably the biggest uh, announcement and inclusion in this update is finally, 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 you can actually back up a version of your island to the cloud. Now, why is this critical? Uh, something like my wife, I think she's put like 350 hours into Animal Crossing. So if her switch malfunctioned, and they couldn't repair it. She's just lost her island completely. She'd be devastated, to be honest. Um, so, what? Like, and this is not a simple way they're going to do it. There's a couple of things we should point out here really quickly. Uh, you have to back it up, and you have to manually back up the save data. So you should be doing this peri- periodically. And then also, to be able to recover it at the moment, you need to contact your local Nintendo support. So in Australia, you have to reach out to Nintendo Australia, and then there's like a flow chart that you have to follow, like whether you've actually sent it in to Nintendo or you haven't or where your consoles are. And people aren't really sure what happens if you try to trick them, I guess, because the only reasons why they'll allow you to do this is if your Switch is damaged and not working or it's been stolen or misplaced. So there's some people who are speculating that if you do this, they might brick the online functionality of your old Switch, which Nintendo has done that in the past, by the way. Um, so, like, yeah, it's, a, it's a super clunky, super Nintendo. Um, and they've also said that, yes, they will eventually, and I believe this year, introduce a feature where you can do this yourself, like through the normal Nintendo Switch Online cloud backup. So that is in the works, but that, I think, is probably going to be much later in the year, maybe November, December. It's... I'm I'm shaking my head at this because why would you not just get those two things ready at once and just roll them out at the same time? You know, like your ability to transfer as well as your ability to, I guess, save. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think it's a very Nintendo thing, right? Where they're, you know, they're just bare minimal, minimalists with these kind of things, you know? Like they strip everything back that they don't think is around the gameplay experience. You know, like, it's going back to the point that we made around Splatoon 2, right? Like, it's crazy how um, non-functional the lobby system is. But that's the version of the game that people play all the time. And they kind of get away with it. Even Smash Brothers is not great. And it's a lot better than it ever was before in terms of how you play it online and everything like that. Like, the fact that I can't have, like, a mate at my house and we're playing on the same system and join an arena online in Smash Brothers. It's just crazy to me. Seems like no reason why you can't, but yeah, they don't allow it. So yeah, but this is a huge update. I know my wife's really happy about it. 
and she's literally like time traveling and trying to get back to every single day so she doesn't miss out on anything in this game so and it feels like they're gonna have a like a shed load of of uh updates and i'd imagine they'll probably eventually have paid dlc in this game just because um there's just so many units out there it's just a gold mine for them and are you gonna be playing the game (laughs) look i i what I said before sounded harsh, but it's I got to provide a bit of context. So I, I, d- I had the original Animal Crossing, or at least the you know original one for us on uh, the GameCube, and I had fun with it. Mm. But I had more fun playing the the NES games that you could you could unlock in that game than I did actually doing the main stuff because I know that game was very bare bones compared to what Animal Crossing is these days, but. I would much rather play something like Stardew Valley where it just feels like there's more game to it. There's more, you know, I guess there's more structure to it. That's, and like a game like My Time at Porsche is an example of that as well. And obviously Harvest Moon, I loved Harvest Moon on on the SNES and the 64 version, things like that. But yeah, I'm, I know this, the uh, people love Animal Crossing. I just, I, there are so many games out there, and I just like more structure for my games. So when I jokingly said, oh, I don't think it's much of a game, it's because I actually view it more of, I guess, like a social app or experience, you know, as opposed to a video game in my head, um, which mm. I know is ridiculous. It's a video game, but it's, I just don't, it, when I classify things, I just, it just, it's something different. Just like, you know, there's a lot of weird games, like, you know, um, was it that, uh, Dreamcast game Seaman or something like that, you know, like these games that oh, yeah, yeah. are just kind of, you know, they're different. They're almost, I should say it's probably like software as opposed to, you know, what I said about an app. It, it's, it's like a piece of software that you interact with as opposed to a video game. So, mm. Yeah, no, no, I get it. It's, it's very distinct. It's certainly a game, but it's very distinct. Um, mo- moving into business news. So... Uh, look, for me, really actually interesting news, uh, 2K and the NFL have actually signed an agreement and what they're actually going to do is start making non-SIM NFL games. So they're allowed to use the player names, likeness, the actual player teams. And there's a game that's going coming out in 2021, but the, the catch is they can't make simulation style games. So games that would compete with Madden. But this is actually really good news because... Madden has kind of had its space, I think it's for like at least 10 years, maybe even 15 years, there hasn't been a competitor in that space to Madden. And, you know, back in the day with, um, you know, the Madden games that we played and the more arcade style NFL games, like that's something that I could see myself playing. Whereas the real simulation ones, I don't know, to be perfectly honest, I feel like they're a little bit boring. Um, I know a lot of people love NFL Blitz games, so hopefully mm. that... You know, I'm definitely not um, uh, an NFL fan, but I loved uh, Madden. I think it was Madden 94 on SNES or 93. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I play that game heaps. And then when I realized half the time I can just, like, put the controller down and it'll do it for me, it kind of lost a bit of its, uh, you know, fun. But it was, it, I think, you know, like, it's good to have alternative options, even if it means that, you know, it's a different experience. It's kind of like, um, I guess... Also, um, with NHL games, there was like three-on-three arcade hockey game on 360, which is really fun. Very different, obviously, than, you know, like NFL 
sorry, in a proper NHL sim games. But it gives people options. Yeah, and I actually think that the arcade style, you know, like um, Mario Strikers style game, I, I think that's really underserved at the moment. And I feel like, you know, if people actually serve that market well, it, w- it would be pretty big. And I think using like real teams, real players is one of the key things that you need to do. I certainly don't think you should do it the way that 2K has done it historically with things like NBA Playgrounds. And I'm assuming that that's what they're going to do with this. They're going to try to make this some kind of loot box, you know, perk thing where you have to buy players. And, you know, if you want, you know, Joe Montana, you have to pay heaps of money or Bo Jackson or something like that, which is going to be so annoying if they do that. Um, But the, the one thing I wanted to call out, if you do want to play those older games, what you can do is there are actual uh, ROM hacks where they patch in all the current day players and teams and team names and colors into the old games like Super Tech Mobile or like NHL, uh, sorry, NFL Madden 94. So you can actually play like the current team roster, but in the old game from the SNES or the NES, which I just think is super cool. So if you uh, play as Colin Copernic, can you do the, can you take the knee? In the old games. <laughs> you know, like I'm a I'm a 49ers fan, and I remember actually watching it live when he did that the first time, and I was like watching it, just going, "Man, this is going to be massive," <laughs> and it's it actually took so many years to it really to all bubble up, and it it is amazing now when you see that, and um, you know, when the basketball season just resumed the other day, you actually had um the officials and the referees taking a knee. So that, that, yes, except, except, uh, I don't think they've patched that quite in except, yet, but... Except that one dude. I saw that one dude. That one oh, M- really? I didn't know that. The one NBA player that's just standing and he's not wearing the Black Lives Matter. I'm like, man. Oh, really? Yeah, like... Okay, I'm going to go back and watch that. You're kind of digging yourself in a grave there. It's, anyway, look that one up. <laughs> look like, you know, and <laughs> this is going off a weight tangent. You know, I, I'm a huge believer in doing what you think is right. So if you don't feel like you want to do that, that that's your prerogative. And I don't think that means you are the opposite of what you, that kind of person is read, either. Read, so. read the room, dude. Read the room. <laughs> no, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't think you should then cast him as someone who hates, you know, African-Americans or something like that. That's crazy He is African-American. Well, so. <laughs> oh, okay, interesting. Oh, I've got to go back and watch and see what player it is because I love the NBA. I just didn't catch uh, who someone did that. So. Okay. Uh, in in uh, further business news, we had Microsoft. Uh, so every quarter in the US, uh, public companies need to do filings, so 10K filings with the SEC. It is always interesting because uh, these large companies, they have to really be uh, quite uh, like quite obvious and you know honest with their numbers, and it's not really a lot of spin that they're allowed to put in it. And just what I wanted to call out is, Yes, they have had a lot of increase. So it's like 11% increase in the digital content. So these are things like Xbox Live, Game Pass. But 11% year on year, given how big the numbers have been with coronavirus, is probably realistically flat compared to what you'd expect the numbers to be. And then you actually saw their whole division. So this is everyone under Phil Spencer. It only went up by 2%. So, you know, if you're kind of doing the maths and you go, well, wait a second, the Xbox content and services has gone up 11%, their hardware numbers have just plummeted. Now, I get it's like, you know, the final year, but um, anecdotally, you just hear from people in in retail, along with the news that we had last week around the Series X uh, stopping production, that essentially those Series X, especially in America, they're just not selling, and they're still in stores. 
And now with, uh, you know, the next console coming out, they might not be bought up those consoles or like they might just go on deep discount. So yeah, it's just like Microsoft's in a really tough spot at the moment. And, you know, more than PlayStation, I feel like it's just so critical for them to land the launch of, of um, the Xbox Series X. And one thing I wanted to ask you and just bring it up in this topic we didn't go through this last time, but are you planning to get it at launch, the Series X? So I mentioned that it will really depend on what um, what games are, I guess, out in that initial launch period. So we know, obviously, a lot of the ones. Uh, none of those are going to make me buy it immediately. But if it turns mm. out that, um, let's say they announce something like a Mass Effect Remaster Trilogy and it's going to be on the new console, then maybe, you know, like that's an example of something that might get me there. Um, of course, you've got big titles I'm really looking forward to, like Elden Ring. That's not going to be out anywhere near launch. So it's it's interesting. I've you know I've got an Xbox One X. Um, I'm very happy with how that's serving me at the moment for whatever I need it to to do. And I've got a pretty beefy PC to play any games that um, you know that kind of you know I guess that I'm not going to be able to play on the X- Xbox One X. So I feel like I'm in a good position at the moment, but Hey, you never know. Um, it could turn out that you know I just make the take the plunge anyway. But I think there would have to be some serious killer titles for for me to make that move straight away. And it's interesting because you mean exclusive titles, right? Uh, not so much. So when I say ex- okay, well, that's the thing. So like, and sorry, I mean exclusive on next gen. I'll frame it like that. So exclusive to PS5 and Xbox Series X, not also released on Xbox One. Or what? Like, what are your thoughts on that? No, so it. I'm weird because I, depending on the games they asked, I will want to play both versions. So yeah, which you did with Breath of the Wild, and you hated both <laughs> versions. God. Amazingly, uh, hate is hate. Let's, let's hate get into that some word. other hate time. We could spend hours um, on that. No, but I. <laughs> I will generally. I, I'm I'm a cheap and whore. I I, yes, I, I mean I'm in it for the cheeves. We'll, we'll we'll speak about this very shortly as well. But yeah, and go on. So I will usually, depending on how they handle that stuff, if they're separate lists, and I'll actually want to play it on both. So <laughs> it's just it is what it is. I can't say it's not. So um, okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in because this achievement thing hasn't come up so far, and it will just keep coming up. I'm guaranteeing you, but you are so crazy on achievements. It actually drove me as one of your closer friends to spend five hours in a Hong Kong video game arcade where it's like multiple levels chatting to every single merchant there and digging through Xbox 360 games, Xbox 360. This is not that long ago. This was like last year. Right, and talking to people who don't speak English and speak Cantonese, and I only know a little bit of Cantonese, and it wasn't until the very last merchant that I actually found this weird, obscure game, and the whole reason why... It's not that you don't have this game. How many copies of this game that I'm talking about do you have? I own two other versions of this game. You have two versions. What's the game called again? <laughs> it's it's called... Oh, God. oh man. You, I, Can you even remember no, the name? No, I I spent- you, you put me on the spot. Um... <laughs> Oh my god, what is the game? I can't. I oh my can't god. Remember. Oh my god. Oh my god. I can't. Wait, let me This makes me laugh so hard. I'm going to find the game. You were so. Like, I knew how much it meant to you. That's the only reason why I did it. It's I a knew from, that it was it's a like. It's a software game, so I'll just look up Dark Souls and I'll go from there. Uh, so, 
I'll, I'll give I'll give the listeners the the context. No, like you have so many achievements. Like from an Australian perspective, you're like number one or in the top list around RPG achievements for Xbox. Yeah. yeah. And like I knew that you needed this game because crazy achievement people like you, what they do is they play the same game. And sometimes I've seen they play it simultaneously, the same game on multiple consoles. Yeah, I, I do uh, that So as that well. from different regions. Oh, okay, there you go. You are one of those even more insane people yeah. um, on multiple consoles so that they can get more achievement score from the same game. So this weird game came out in, I think it's Hong Kong, Singapore, and maybe Taiwan region. It was a very small region. And you just can't order it. It doesn't exist mm. anywhere, really. And it seemed to be going for like $100, so, $200 because it's so hard to the get. The reason I, I got... I was put on the spot, but also because it's got two names. So, it's Enchanted Arms. and the Enchanted Arms. And it's also that's called it, yeah. EM Enchant Arm as well. Yes. So, now, yeah. It, and it's it's made by From Software, <laughs> so, who make Dark Souls. And it's so. even better that you didn't remember the name. Because uh, <laughs> I, I spent five hours in this arcade trying to find this game for you. Other, and then when I actually found... I was just saying, any other day, I, found- I would have been fine. But, like, I wasn't expecting <laughs> to come up and you threw me. <laughs> So I found this game and I was like, wow, I found this game. It probably like I reckon if you sold it on eBay and you listed it for like two hundred dollars, I think someone would buy it eventually. Because people like you, it's just like, oh my god, I need this. This is like the last game to get to to knock this thing off. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah, I mean so I like, would have bought it for two hundred easily. So Yeah, you even said that. I think you said I think you said you're happy to go up to two hundred and fifty dollars Australian. Right, so that's about 180 US dollars. You were happy to spend, right? And I was there, and I love negotiating. And so I was going through, and I finally found it. And I was trying not to react. I was like, "Oh yeah, whatever." And then I'm like, "Oh." And then I asked the vendor. I was like, "Ah, oh, these are all crap games. Like, you know, how much are these? These, these are all just like rubbish here." And <laughs> they were like, "Ah, oh, you know, it's like 30 Hong Kong dollars or something, which is like five Australian dollars." <laughs> and I'm like. Oh, really? <laughs> I wasn't even happy with that. I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll get this game. You know, it's got a good cover. I don't know. It looks crap, though. <laughs> so, because I did not want them to cotton on that I was, like, super into, like, oh, my God, I can't believe. And it, the fact that it was, like, the last vendor, it was amazing. Oh. I wish I had, like, a video about it. It was, like, so crazy because it went through all the levels. I got to the top level and then I finally found it. I was like, wow, that's so, so crazy. So, and when I, when uh, I, yeah, when whole- I asked you, I'm like, this, this, this is a ridiculous request, but hey, I'll just throw <laughs> it out there. And man, you, you, you delivered, you delivered in spades. <laughs> no, and I, like, I know how much it means to you and how much you kind of invest in, in this hobby. So, but that's all fine. Um, and I think that's a good birthday present or whatever I gave it to you but as. But the best um, part is you can't even complete the game. The, all the achievements in it. <laughs> that's true. I remember you telling me it's, that. You can't even get like a thousand uh, points from it the, or whatever. Out of the three versions broken. of the game, it's the only one that has glitched achievements. So <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that's so great. Uh, and then, yeah, just talking about achievements. So... The Epic Game Store is uh, adding achievements and mod support into the Epic Game Store, which is really, really cool. I think there's a few games that are testing it out. Uh, MechWarrior 5 is going to have mod support as the first game that's going to have mod support. 
I look like one thing for me as a huge Rocket League fan. I actually use Rocket League mods when I play Rocket League. <laughs> That's how into it I am. And um, there's like trainer packs and all this kind of cool stuff that you can do. And the fact that they have this now means like this is probably the number one thing that people were arguing about around the Epic Game Store because it didn't support this previously. And you know what's going to happen with Steam and the Workshop and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think this is really cool news. Yeah, I mean. Any extra features in a platform that a lot of people now have and will continue to grow, you know, its user base is going to be great. It's, I mean, it's been, you know, known for a while that they were planning on adding um, at least the achievements. I'm not sure about the mod support because, they've, you know, they've had their roadmap, um, their, their Trello board or whatever it is um, visible for a while. Um, the only thing about achievements on... PC platforms is um, outside of, I guess, probably the Windows Store where it's a very controlled um, with obviously the Xbox ecosystem. S- Steam achievements are just an absolute mess. Anyone that hunts for Steam achievements knows that there's games out there that get put up on the marketplace specifically so people can unlock the achievements. They're just made for that purpose. And so the whole point is they will at least get some sales from those people that are looking to just artificially inflate their score. And you've seen that happening yeah. in in the Xbox One ecosystem as well. There's a lot of uh, games, cheap games coming out that are super easy and complete all thousand achievements within uh, one hour or so. And Whoa, really? Yeah, there's hundreds of those games now. So what used to be something that had... You know, when I say it had a bit of merit to it, like you could, you could like compare it to something. Okay, oh, that person's got two thousand. That person's got five thousand. Now that stuff doesn't really mean much at all. And I think people focus on different things. Like I focus on game completions and within certain genres. Other people f- um, focus on completion percentage. You know, how ma- how many of the games have I got? Have I actually completed all the achievements for? So I think it just. That, that and that's my worry to go back to the whole PC um, space. So Steam achievements is that I think it's great, but I just hope they control it way better than Steam has. Yeah, knowing Epic, they won't because they don't they don't try to edit stuff. And I think that's one thing about PC that you know it's a much more freer and open ecosystem. And you know, I, I, you know, it's been really funny the whole achievement thing because we've probably flipped positions a bit and then gone back and forth on achievements. Uh, like ultimately, I think achievements, it's a nice to have if you can add it in mm. and make it optional. So I really like the features where it you can turn off the notifications and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think it's essential, and but at the same time, you know, I'd love if Nintendo added some kind of achievement system into the Switch. But I still feel like overall, you really need to have almost editorial control over the achievements. And there's just too many games that the way they set their achievements up and same as trophies. And it's, you're right. It's way worse on PC. Like I've got a bunch of Steam games and they're ridiculous, the achievements. Like I was going through, it's basically like you get achievements for buying DLC. It's just nuts, right? Um, I, you know, I, I think there is an opportunity, probably Nintendo is probably the only one that could do it is, you know, they actually have a bit of editorial control over how you put the achievements together, what they're worth, you know, what's the expected time for people to get them because some of them are just like ridiculous. And I just go, ah, you know, you can get it all in an hour. It's like kind of meaningless at that point. 
Whereas I really like, you know, the whole thing about 100%ing a game and, you know, is it a notable game and what is that game like? So, And talking about um, ridiculous achievements, Skater XL, which is a skate skating game that um, came out, I believe, a few days ago, at least in, and I don't know if it's in preview form or if it's in full release at the moment, but it's a, a skate sim game along the lines of skate and session as well. Um, has an achievement that apparently will take roughly 2,700 hours to unlock if you do it legitimately. And what that achievement is, <laughs> is traveling the, uh, what I be- have they said is the circumference of the earth on a skateboard. Yeah, 40,000 40, kilometers. Yeah, right? well, that, that's what the article said. I haven't fact-checked that one, but... It doesn't matter. That is ridiculous. Um, like I, I've played games with, with ridiculous achievements before, and there's also the infamous uh, was a Bomberman. Um, uh, what's what's that? Uh, Act Zero. That like horrible attempt at a realistic Bomberman, um, where they on 360, where you had to plant a million bombs and blow up a million blocks. And when people did the calculations oh, yeah. for that, it's like this is going to yeah. take like months of work to do this um this is not that far off um but what's pretty funny is people have already started because it's also i believe a trophy on the the playstation um version is they're attempting to (laughs) glitch through the world and then actually get it set up so you can actually get the kilometers tracked that way so you can keep falling infinitely and oh yeah yeah that's mad and what's funny about that is i did that exact thing in mafia 2 so in Mafia 2, in one of the DLCs, there was a achievement for driving a ridiculous amount of kilometers that would just take so long to do. <laughs> and, but you could go up and like launch yourself into a certain building and fall through the, the world in your car, and you'll just be falling. <laughs> and eventually, you have to leave your like, console for like 10 hours or something, and then like you get it. So it's just, That's funny, it's just ridiculous. Why do, why do yeah. developers... We may not even think about it, you know. Like, how how is any sane person ever going to get that? It's crazy. So, like, just just to just to call out something. So, this game has been in early access on PC for a while now, so about a year and a half, and it's just moved out of early access and been released on consoles and on PC in full form, I guess, quote unquote. Uh, in the last couple of days and it's coming to the switch as well and it does actually seem like a really good skate game like a lot of people are sort of saying it's maybe it's the best skate game out there um but yeah this achievement sucks like i hate stuff like this this is kind of why in general i don't like achievements it's like to be able to do this and i think they said the optimized way to do it now when you do that rubber banding stuff is like still over a thousand hours It's just like, no, like, you know, the way I always remember these things. So in a work year at a normal, like Australian workplace, there's 2000 hours in a year in work years, right? Like in work hours. Right. So it's like saying half a year of work to get this achievement. That's stupid. That's like, I guess I I know it's trolly and funny, but you know, if people like you treat these achievements seriously, it's kind of a bit of a piss take, right? Well, when I say seriously, I mean, there's a strive to when you play a game, if it's, sorry, I don't get achievements in every game, by the way, I focus mine, but the whole point is if I want to get all achievements in the game, yeah, I will like, it, it is really frustrating if developers have not just taken realistic expectations into account. Um, 
to me, like it's okay for you know a game requires multiple playthroughs or something like that, but essentially if you can't get something within I guess a reasonable amount of time that a person would normally play a game, it's not a good achievement, you know, to require people to grind mm. and do things that funny things, yeah, but not like hunt down three hundred pigeons across Grand Theft Auto Four's world or something <laughs> like that, you know. That that pissed you off so much that one. Oh. <laughs> I always remember that. But um but it's yeah, like uh, this is obviously not the first game to do this, but it's just it's just stood out to me. I'm like, how how are we still doing this? Have we not learned our lesson <laughs> from the early days of Rare's horrible achievements in their games, like Perfect Dark and things like that? So. <laughs> I actually like looking at this game a lot more. It's so funny. And again, this is why they do it because then it becomes news, and then people check it out. And like me, I've looked at it. I'm like. Ah, you know, maybe I'll play this game <laughs> if it's on Game Pass or something like that. So, like, it is smart, right? And it, it is annoying. Like, I don't like it. I don't. I don't like when people do this kind of stuff. Same as the gear. I don't know if you mentioned it. The gear of Gears of War achievement, where it was like online, you had to get a thousand kills or something like that. It was like so hard to get. Yeah, I think it was. T- I just I remember looking. It was ten thousand, but that yeah, 10, trust 000. me, like in the achievement space, that small potatoes these days, like. The, oh really? Yeah, it's still frustrating. Don't get me wrong, but like the that's when you got games like that that are so popular, there's optimized ways to do that stuff that it, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> um, like it's all it's this all is... about optimization. You know, you've got to like especially <laughs> if you're going to spend and and I think thank God don't do this anymore. But like if you're going to spend hours and hours in lobbies with people boosting crap, you know you've you figure out the best ways to do this stuff. So okay, I feel like we do need to have a special feature, uh, like a deep dive into your insanity with achievements. Because I, I, I think I you talk might... about the the boosting diaries or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I've got, exactly. I've got a lot. I've got lots of uh, stories there that probably aren't interesting to anybody but me. But yeah, well, I do find them interesting, and it, I think you might have even lost people when you said boosting. So, like, what's boosting quickly? Well, it's that dodgy thing that people do in multiplayer matches where they just, like, you know, they cheat and they, like, do things. Basically, if you want to, like, level up quickly in Battlefield 3, you figure out, oh, this person can stand here and I keep refilling his ammo while he shoots his gun and suddenly I can level up quick and things like that. It's The thing is, boosting is horrible in games that have actual online communities and are still active. But boosting in games that are completely dead that no one plays is whatever, you know. So it's, yeah. Yeah, look, I think if you're not impacting anyone else, it's totally fine. Like, and that's the, I that's don't the like, point, yeah, is that, like... Yeah, yeah. When it when it's, like, throwing everyone's game off and it's like, why is it... Like, to be fair, like, I do do this with Rocket League. In Rocket League, you know, the Battle Pass equivalent, Rocket Pass, there's ones where it's, like, say something in the game. Like, say, you know... Uh, you know, my save or whatever it is, right? And I'll just say it at the start of the game. And I think sometimes the teammates are like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you saying this before the game's even started? <laughs> but I just want to make sure that I've, like, ticked that box yeah. so then it progresses my pass. But it's, yeah, it's kind of friggin' annoying. Um, and, and just moving from games to board games. <laughs> Contra. Games to ge- Contra is getting a board game. game. Yeah, games, games to games. To games. Games to table co- tabletop games. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Contra, Contra, a board game. What is this board game about? It's not Monopoly. It's not Monopoly. Oh man, imagine imagine a Contra Monopoly. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, I much prefer this. It's an actual. 
it seems like they've you know designed a game from the ground up, or is it based on a certain I game? I couldn't see it was based on anything, although it's probably mm. very similar to many other games out there. But it's a one to four player board game, and it's based on the arcade NES original Contra. Although it looks like there's some characters that you know weren't in that that have added because essentially, you know, you've, there was only two characters in that. Um, so, but they've uh, yeah, it's. It looks pretty cool. I mean, apparently the stage gets a turn, so the stage hazards where I'm guessing like turrets and enemies and stuff that come up and you collect mm. weapons like the spread gun as you go through. It's got little miniatures. But my favorite thing about this is the box. I love the box. It's like mm. a big, thick nest cart. And thick with two exactly. C's. Another reference to thick. We keep on saying it. <laughs> yeah. It's but interestingly I couldn't maybe it's there, but I couldn't see the Konami logo anywhere. Hmm, that's interesting. Oh, another another shout yeah, out it's... to a special special Why segment. Why would it not have the Konami logo though? They own the IP. But maybe it's so weird. Well, yeah, but they're not making this, right? No, so... but like, just like it's a win-win. Like, actually, or maybe not so much win-win having Konami's name out there, but. Why would you not? Why would you not have it there? You know what I mean. Like Konami would want the publicity, yeah, okay, yeah. And they, you know, the it's more legitimate if they have it on the box for the uh, the people that are making it. But hey, it's well, I agree. They're a very logical and rational company that makes very logical decisions in all spaces. So I agree. Why wouldn't they do that? That is not true. But I will forget <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> no, I honestly, if this is the kind of thing, um, you know, not that I'm playing many board games at the moment because they're all bunkered down in our houses, mm. but um, I'd like to have this to play whenever, you know, we do games nights and things because uh, it looks pretty cool. And it doesn't. Yeah, it's a really cool one. It doesn't look like it's going to take like four hours like some of those board games do these days. So. Yeah. And, you know, you know, my style with these kind of things, I'll probably wait until board game. What is it called? Board board game geek from memory yeah. um you know what the reviews are like and it doesn't need to be like you know a top tier uh tabletop game but as long as it's not ridiculously bad it's certainly something i'd be interested to pick up um just because you know it's awesome it's like a big throwback and yeah you know i was actually gonna check i wonder how that whole industry is going because it could be kind of two-sided like you know definitely not getting your mates to come over to play tabletop games but a lot of people play these games with their family. So given that everyone's like locked down or a lot of countries and a lot of people are locked down at the moment, maybe, you know, tabletop, that whole um, uh, industry is actually doing really well at the moment. I don't know. I, it wouldn't surprise me if the, like the really casual board game market has seen a, a, a nice jump, but that the, I guess the more hobby grade level stuff and the big box games, I guess they call them, um, have seen a dip because, not only are people obviously not going around other people's houses, but, you know, a lot of people aren't financially very well off right now. And those mm. games cost a lot of money. So I don't think they're probably purchasing many new games at the moment. Yeah. And we didn't mention it, but there is a Mario themed Monopoly in honor of the 35th anniversary oh of Mario. Oh my God, Mario Monopoly. Oh my god! Another one. I have my. I have a Mario Monopoly. There's like ten of them or something at this point. I know the one I, know. I have. You know the one are... I have is horrible. Like I, <laughs> I, remember I, I've played it enough, like to 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 know it's just like the worst application of Mario on in a Monopoly form. And I've seen the like better ones out there. I'm like, why did I end up with this one? 
And by the way, Monopoly is just such a bad game in the first place. Look, it's a, I, I don't. I would. I kind of agree, but it's still a part of me that enjoys enjoys it every now and then. Monopoly is the battle toads of tabletop games. <laughs> it is. It's like that's the best way to think of it. It's very, very bad. No, not very bad. It, it's just a bad tabletop game that is so popular and it's insane. All right. And, you know, I remember when I got introduced to all the German tabletop games, I'm like, oh, my God. I can't believe I played Monopoly when I was a kid. I felt like it was child abuse or something. Monopoly with house rules is okay. Normal Monopoly rules suck. That's that's my Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Grounded. Yes. So we talked about Grounded uh, last week because it was a feature... I guess game in the Xbox showcase. So that's mm, a very cool trailer, a very fun trailer. Yeah, Obsidian's co-op survival game that's been known about for a while. But the fact that the game was about to come out uh, in the uh, game preview program and is out now um, was obviously highlighted by them. But what's been uh, discovered since the game's come out is it has a really cool feature. That the reason I want to talk about this is I don't think it's been done in a game before. Or something like this. And I think that there's some awesome applications you can do for this. So it has an arachnophobia slider. The the idea with this is you're <laughs> it's like honey I shrunk the kids. You're these, you know, these teenagers, but you're shrunk down to the size of, you know, basically an ant. Which means spiders are like huge. And like a lot of people are terrified of spiders. And I kind of understand that. I'm okay with that but i also haven't come across like a giant spider in my house and that's that's probably terrifying if you come into that situation but these are giant and (laughs) what this slider does is as you start to move it down it gets like less vile and gruesome and cuter as it goes along to the point where it gets this (laughs) becomes this little white blob with eyes and then i think the last one doesn't even show anything i just kind of says there is something here or something like it's weird it's like it doesn't even have a physical form or something like that but the reason i love this is not only is it just cool um the game is brimming with charm i've watched i haven't played it myself but i've watched some uh some people streaming it co-op and things like that and it's it's just like even in the menu there's it, it says uh quit and then it says super quit as in, like, quit to the menu and then quit the whole game. Just, like, it's got really cool, like, little... <laughs> that should be standard. I like yeah. that. <laughs> and it's, like, the hard- the hardest difficulties, like, it goes, like, mild, moderate, and then whoa, and things like that. <laughs> the reason I really like this arachnophobia slider is just, like, has a game ever done this before? Not that I know of. Like, and, you know, I, I think it's pretty smart. I think there's, you know, we'll kind of... Uh, I guess volunteering last week that we're both a bit cowardly when it comes to horror games. Exactly, you know and, where I'm and, going. And you know where honest, I'm going if, with this. Well, yeah, I just kind of think you know maybe if you did have something like that, where it just like takes the edge off it a little bit. Like I, I don't like the jump scares out of those horror games. I feel like they're a bit cheap, and I don't, I just don't like it. <laughs> to be honest, I don't really like the jump scares in movies either. Um, they're not the kind of horror films that I really like watching. So. Yeah, I think it's a pretty cool feature. Yeah, that's that, and that's what has me the most excited is that if people take notice of this, you could apply this to anything like that. So, you know, mm. not that you're going to say, okay, an Uncharted game is going to have a fear of height slide or anything like. At some point, it becomes kind of completely 
um, you know, against what the the point of the game is. But when it comes to, I, I know there's already obviously gore sliders, and they've been around for a long time. So I guess that is the closest, you know, like content filters and things like that. But if there is like a jump scare slider or a, a horror or slider for those games, so the thing with Resident Evil Remake and GameCube, the reason I stopped playing it is obviously I was super tense about it. But when I realized that every monster, every zombie that I'd killed, because I hadn't been blowing their heads up, you're going to turn into these super powerful versions of the zombies after like an hour. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. screw that. Like, I'm not. And not even the thought of starting the game over again. I'm just like, I'm done with this. I ended up giving the game away, <laughs> which is um, to, a, to a friend. I will say I to a friend it. that I knew loved the Resident Evil games. So I was cool with that. But. I was just like, man, <laughs> you could think of really cool applications for this. So I good on you, Obsidian. Um, and it's, I don't know, like I'd even be interested in trying that game out um, if there was anybody else that was interested in playing it. So, Well, yeah, <clears throat> I'm kind of interested to see if it's going to be on PC, the Xbox Game Pass PC beta thing. I'm not sure. Do we know if it is or not yet? I don't know. It's, it's a little bit confusing. Like and as much as I do love what uh, what Nintendo what Microsoft are doing and I and I think actually just to call out and probably a shout out to you you know your perspective on the the strategy around Microsoft and what they're doing I think you're 100 percent right I think they are trying to transition into service and they kind of don't care like they genuinely don't care if you want a Series X you know if uh, you know you got a PC and it makes sense to go Game Pass on that go do it. Because that's something that I'm genuinely thinking about. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely play this if it comes to Game Pass PC. I mean, honestly, it actually might tip me over the edge if I was able to play it on Game Pass PC to go and get Game Pass PC. So, I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, it says game included with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Okay, I reckon I'll get this if I can get this on PC. Oh, we should give it a shot sometime. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, so one thing I, sh- I should call out about this game is that it actually is getting reviewed fairly well on Steam, which, like, I kind of rate the way that Steam does their user reviews. So it seems like positive reception so far to the game. So that's pretty cool. And a really, really good purchase uh, from Microsoft to bring Obsidian into their realm. Definitely. Like, as long as they don't kind of repeat the, what they did with Rare <laughs> and just let them be and kind of do their own thing, I think that it's going to reap a lot of benefits and dividends. So one one thing that we did say initially was like, we're probably not going to talk about movie and TV stuff too much. And I think every single week we've mentioned some adaptation. <laughs> the season for <laughs> like, it, what can we say? <laughs> well, and I do like talking about it. So uh, two from uh, Ubisoft, right, essentially. So Beyond Good and Evil. And then also, uh, we'll talk about another property. I, I, I'm not wrong there, right? Ubisoft's good, Beyond Good and Evil. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Beyond Good and Evil, uh, very much a cult classic. You know, it was rumoured and teased back in 2008. And then we had an official reveal. Uh, the, and the even sequel, when I saw sequel, that... we should say. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. The sequel, yeah, Beyond Good and Evil 2. This, the, you know, we had the reveal around E3 2017. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, okay. You know, sometimes with these big cult classics when there is a sequel coming out and it kind of clicks with you for me personally i'm like oh maybe i'll jump in and get to know this so there's a movie coming out through netflix so it's actually uh 
Is it the director from Detective Pikachu? Is that right? Uh, I'm not sure if he's the director, but he's that's the properties he's worked on. Detective Pikachu and the Goosebumps movies. Oh, okay. Um, so it could be an EP or something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. but um, So it's meant to be apparently a live-action animated feature. Like, uh, makes sense if they're, you know, a lot of the characters in Beyond Good and Evil 1 and 2 are, you know, and I can never say this word. What is it? Anthropomorphic. Did I? Anthropomorphic, That's a horrible yeah. word to say. Um, like <laughs> Paige, who's a pig, and uh, like a giant pig that's like a mechanic. And then uh, there's quite a few, um, I guess like hippo. I don't know if they're hippos or elephants. I think they're hippo characters. Um, or no, rhino characters. That's it. Rhino characters that you interact with. Lots of weird, charming characters. I, I am a huge fan of the first game. I played it. Um, I bought it for GameCube. Um, I re purchased it when they bought the HD version out on PlayStation Xbox. Um, and I'm really pumped for Beyond Good and Evil. Beyond Good and Evil 2. It's a shame we haven't heard anything about it in a while. But mm. what we saw of it when, um, you know, last, like we saw a lot of it. So it was definitely really far along in, in certain respects then. So it's a shame that it's gone quiet uh, since. But I'm really looking forward to the well, sequel. It, just, but just... it's just odd that it's kind of odd don't you think because i even went back and you know they had like a 40 minute playthrough yeah, of the game yeah showed heaps of the game yeah so weird and it looked good the, the, like it looked good my like, only thought is what? the scale of that game is so big that they just mm. need that amount of time um and M- michelle ansel i believe you pronounce it um who you know is famous for like the Rayman games and and introducing rabbits and things, but you know he's he's behind Beyond Good and Evil, and it's the the when it comes to I guess the mo- a movie based on it, uh, you'd hope it's probably based on the first game, but you never know. It could be kind of to tie in with the Beyond Good and Evil two, which is actually pre- uh, prequel. Um, but it's the the world they built is fantastic. Um, you could make a really good um series or movie with with that world and you don't even have to relate it to the central plot line of either to make something cool um so yeah mm. i i would 100 percent watch that um but with any i will say with any video game movie it's always well wait until you see the trailer but knowing netflix's track record with that stuff they usually deliver like they usually you know they usually release what they say they're going to release so yeah, yeah, and it's amazing the amount of stuff they're releasing. Like, I, you know, I'm very old school, so I still feel like they're not real movies, quote-unquote. Not really that extreme, but you know what I mean by that? It doesn't feel the same as a Quentin Tarantino film coming out or something like that, but they are kind of getting into that space well and truly now, yeah. where I just have to treat it like, you know, any other thing that's coming out. So, And I, I should just call out that Rob Letterman did write and direct Detective Pikachu, and I actually really loved that movie. And it made a like ton I thought of money, for what it was. So... It, yeah, and it was great. And I'm kind of actually surprised that he wasn't involved in the sequel. You know, given he kind of helmed like the fact that he wrote and directed uh, the first one. You know, typically, you know, people like that you think would want to craft the next story, but maybe sort of do one of those films, and that maybe one enough. You know. So, yeah, no, I'm definitely interested to see this because I really like Detective Pikachu and that universe is really interesting. And you could def- I and will just, say you um, could definitely watch Beyond Good and Evil movie without playing the game, so. Yeah, 
No, and that's what I'm intending to do. <laughs> um, and then talking about another Ubisoft uh, IP getting a bit of a translation into Netflix, Splinter Cell. So a Splinter Cell Netflix anime. Uh, looks like it, it will be coming out. Have they said an announced date of when it will be coming? I uh, don't believe so. So the way they worded mm-hmm. it was they've put there's an order out for two seasons, which is essentially 16 episodes. Um, and apparently they're being... Headed by the John Wick creator, uh, Derek Colston. Mm. But this one is the most bizarre to me. Like, Beyond Good and Evil, you probably wouldn't have expected that to be a movie, but it kind of makes sense in some ways. Splinter Cell anime is really weird, considering they... The, Splinter Cell's always been in Ubisoft's back pocket. That They can pull, pull oh, a yeah, new... big time. Big pull time. a new Splinter Cell out at any time, and they'll have a hit on their hands. As long as obviously the game isn't isn't trash. But from my understanding, the last one blacklist was, which was in two thousand and thirteen, which is crazy, um, was really well received. I remember playing at least playing the demo for it and thinking, "Hey, this is a pretty solid game." But I'm just, I'll say that you know, like I've never been into that series. Um, just, I think the original that came out on Xbox and probably on PC, I imagine as well. Always looked cool. Always looked like, hey, this is a really cool take on a stealth series, you know, when Metal Solid's doing its own wacky stuff. But it's just do you my my wonder is is are they pulling this together to kind of coincide with, you know, maybe a game in the future? Because it kind of feels weird to do this and just not have put a game out for at least seven years. Well, yeah, and you know, I know people are really like, you know, looking forward to a new Splinter Cell game and kind of expected it for the next gen. And I I think my gut feel would have been to say yes, like, or almost certainly, you know, if they're releasing an anime on Netflix, they're going to have a game that's coming out with it. But then I look at Castlevania and that came out in 2017 and we've heard nothing really about that, right? Mm. So... yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that's got something to do with Konami, hey? Oh yeah, that that <laughs> studio that used to make games. I mean, it'd be really interesting if we had a discussion this, about it at some point. This is the most like <laughs> the most times we've like free. I guess prepared for a, a feature segment so far. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's like it's it's not like we're going to be talking about it for six hours or anything. So. <laughs> I like it though. It's fun. Um, so yeah, no, no I, you know, I, I always like these Netflix animes that they're making. They're pretty cool. Um, and they're just really watchable. They make them in a way that you, even if you don't know that much about the franchise, you can just get really into it and sort of like, it's, it's easy to just, you know, get transported away. So I, yeah, I wonder cool. if they'll, Looking I wonder if they'll get Michael Ironside to, to voice. I imagine they'd have to, cause it, that's Sam Fisher, you know. Mm, that's know. Sam Fisher. Like, if they even got him to voice Sam Fisher's dialogue in the Ghost Recon Wildlands DLC, you know. <laughs> so I reckon they'll have to have Michael Ironside do the voice. Otherwise, people will be so disappointed. It depends how much he's... You know, I think it's almost more on him than anyone mm. else. Like, is he going to come to the table with the right price or not, mm. right? Mm. And then in news that I term as... Uh, you know, the world sucks sometimes. Can't think of a better title for this segment. Sometimes. But, um, <laughs> oh, I'm a positive, optimistic person, fundamentally. Um, 
Yeah, so an actual emulator that we use uh, to emulate, and we em- use this emulator to emulate Bonk's adventure. Um, so Bu, or as he wanted to be referred to as Nia, um, he's actually retired from the emulation community. And for me, I would regard him as probably the greatest emulator programmer ever. So he's the guy... I, I've actually spoken about him before. He's the guy who created Higan and... B SNES and these emulators were almost 100% accurate emulators of the Super Nintendo and he went to the point of actually getting the physical cartridges dumping them comparing like pure like inputs and outputs and he's just a freak of nature and he actually started to emulate the PlayStation and the Nintendo 64 and he was about 80% the way through and from what I saw on his post on Twitter it was like, he was well along. Like, it could have actually become the best uh, Nintendo 64 and PlayStation emulators, which they sorely need those emulators in that space. But what, what's happened is it's a really weird story, and I don't know all the details, and it's, I guess it's a bit personal for him, but it seems that <clears throat> on Twitter, he'd maintained a list of emulator programmers who are on Twitter. And some of them are big, some of them are quite small. And some strange person out there has actually systematically gone through that list and used that list because it's a public Twitter list to harass and then actually um, dox a lot of these emulator programmers. Now, I have zero idea of why this occurred and I would always argue you never have a right to harass people so there's no logic anyway in what you're doing. Um, but it has really hit this this person um, really, really hard, Bu, and you know, to the point where like people in the community are trying to keep him like in the community. And it's like, it's not your fault, but he just, he blames himself so much for this situation occurring that he just wants to, you know, kind of exit the whole scene completely because of this, which is like an incredible shame. And it, you know, it's sad that he, you know, feels so bad about what had happened. Um, and, you know, hopefully eventually he looks to come back in the scene, but yeah, like, you know, it's a real shame because I think he was, you know, really having some promising results in the Nintendo 64 space. And, you know, he's a real credit to the community. There's been articles written about him on Ars Technica and lots of other outlets. And, um, yeah, it's a real shame. And it's someone I don't think is well known, um, but he probably should be because I think he's had a a huge impact to that scene and making it a lot easier for people to access uh, old games and being able to play them and, and, you know, experience stuff uh, in a modern format, uh, you know, in a very accurate format rather than a really dodgy emulator that you normally get. So yeah, just wanted to kind of call that out. Yeah. Bloody assholes. I'll tell you. (laughs) Yeah, it can be. So going into the bargain bin, uh, as we sort of really do start every single week with the PC, just because it's the most open platform and the Epic game store. So the Epic game store right now, uh, up to Thursday, uh, after the time of publishing, 20XX, Baroni, and Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP are free right now, as we mentioned last week that they would be free at this time. The week following that, we have Wilmot's Warehouse, a puzzle game. Looks pretty cool, actually. I might download and check so this out. So I know out. a lot about that game, and I suggest anyone that has loves arranging things and has OCD tendencies, you should play that game. Oh, okay. I'm going to get my wife to play it. And again, I love Epic Game Store. It's crazy how they just have this program of giving away free games. Uh, and one thing I'll call out next week, and I'll keep calling it out until it occurs, but um, Total War Saga, Troy, 
is going to be free for the first 24 hours when it launches. So I'd just put it in your diary. It's Thursday, the 13th of August, when that's going to happen. So log in that night or in the morning uh, on the Friday, and that's free. And it's only going to be free for that first 24 hours. And that's actually a AAA game. So that's a game that, you know, it's going to be full retail price. But just as a promotion, they're going to make it free for 24 hours on Epic. In terms of PlayStation, uh, as part of your PlayStation Plus subscription, uh, there was an announcement around the August games. So it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, the campaign. So that's not the multiplayer, but that had gone free earlier. So the campaign remastered is free and out right now. And for the month of August, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout will be going free in a couple of days uh, until the end of August. So as always with these things, make sure you jump in and, you know, just sort of click, you know, buy. So then it's attached to your profile forever. And with Fall Guys. Have you played Fall Guys? So I haven't, but it's blowing up a lot on YouTube. Obviously, they've had a very good marketing strategy with content creators and things. And I guess their their approach is what Rocket League did. Um, send it out free. It's it it relies on a on a multiplayer community, and I reckon four guys. I don't know if it'll be long lived, but I reckon you'll see it blow up for a little bit, and it will end up being really successful for Devolver, who um, were the publisher. Yeah, it looks like the aesthetic is really awesome. Like I really, really love the aesthetic. Um, and as the Xbox guy, I'll let you cover the Xbox games with gold. Yeah, so for August, um, if you've got a gold account, which majority of people should if they play anything online, um, you have Portal Knights on Xbox One, so that's free now until the 31st of August. Uh, a game called Override Mech City Brawl, which will be free from 16th of August to the 15th of September. Um, and they've also got two original Xbox games uh, for grabs, mm. which will be backwards compatible and like... Majority, a lot of original Xbox games, they should, um, I think they get upscaled slightly. Um, so MX Unleashed, uh, which is available now to the 15th, and Red Faction 2, which is available from the 16th of August to 31st of August. But first of all, Microsoft, get your head out your ass with these dates. Just make them all just 1st of August to 31st <laughs> of August. What are you doing? Come on. <laughs> when you re- when you have to read oh, them out, it seems ridiculous. insane. Um and, you know, this is how I always miss this kind of stuff because it's, like, so odd. Like, you have to log in multiple times to be able to get them all. So, I've played a lot of Portal Knights. Um, it's a good, fun game. It's very it's very similar to Dragon Quest Builders where it's obviously very inspired by Minecraft but then has actual, like, objectives and worlds and things like that. Um, really fun. It's kind of ridiculous how overpriced that game is on switch in retail i think it's i've seen it for like 60 bucks before but portal portal Knights mm. is really fun um and the developers have done a lot to actually update the game um but the one i'm actually kind of interested here is red faction 2 um because that game the first and the second had the really cool destructible environment and the lasers that could drill through the walls and stuff so that'd be pretty cool to pick up and play on a modern console Okay. Yeah, I was I was going to say that for me, this is a bit of a meh month oh, for Xbox. Yeah, Normally, yeah, you know, like, because I'm more of a PlayStation guy, you're more of an Xbox guy, but I'd normally say that, you know, Xbox smashes PlayStation from the releases, but I think PlayStation's probably better this month with Fall Guys. The, ex- so. the games of gold has been very lacking for a while. There's a, Every now and then there's a good game, um, but... Uh, at this point, they're just running. I think they're just running out the titles um, because essentially Game Pass mm. has taken that place for for what people 
you know, like to hear. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then with them kind of killing that 12 month subscription, it seems like we'll be hearing news about what's the future of that kind of thing uh, very shortly. But um, going into a game that I believe and kind of jealously believe is available on the Game Correct. Pass. Is Correct. that right? So, CrossCode. CrossCode. Now, I've been wanting to play this game for a long time. So, it CrossCode originally came out on the PC in September 2018 um, and got a lot of buzz at the time. And it just came to all the console platforms in uh, in July. So, just essentially the last couple of weeks. It's an action role-playing game um, set in an MMO world. It's not an MMO, but it's, um, I guess, very similar to Sword Art Online and .hack and those kind of games where they're essentially mostly single-play experiences, but, you know, set just in the narrative of an, of an MMO. Um, so they're developed by Radical Fish Games and published by Deck 13. And I love Deck 13 as a publisher and a developer. They make uh, Lords of the Fallen and the Surge games. Um and it was actually originally crowdfunded on Indiegogo. So this is, I think, a really good example of a title that, um, you know, that just really the whole crowdfunding uh, concept has, you know, has downsides and, and you know, obviously some, you know, some big wins. And I think this is a big win for the, for the concept. So the game itself. Um... Is it good? Like, because I'm super keen to know about this game. I feel like it could be really up my alley. So... The game's future hinges on you. Yeah. So I, when I, whenever I saw this game, whether or not it was trailers or screenshots, um, I kept hearing how good it was. And then I would look at it and think, yeah, it looks cool. It's, you know, it's a sprite-based, um, it's basically like, you know, Secret of Mana, Terranigma kind of um, art style, just nicer. And I'm like... <laughs> yeah, Terranigma, that game that's quite common all over the world. Well, the reason I mention it is because <laughs> it's actually very re- it very reminiscent in some ways to me, uh, the combat mechanics. It does actually look like it. I'll yeah. give you that. It does. I, I just and because it now, the reason yeah. why it also reminds me of Terranigma is Terranigma, as he got further into the game, started incorporating modern world elements and cities and like you'd walk into mm. a... Such you a good game. You walk into a building and there's there's computers on and desks and things. And this game yeah. has a God, it's such a good this game. This game has a lot of that. And but when I was okay. looking at it, I'm thinking, okay, but there's actually quite a few games out there like this. Why is this so good? And when I within the first 20, 25 minutes, I realized why it's so good. It controls so nice. Like you look at the game oh, and really? you think it's gonna control like you know, Secret of Mana, Secret of Evermore, those kind of 2D action RPGs. But the range of movement's actually really nice. Like, it's interesting. You think those games that it's going to have, like, was it, um, you know, like the directional movement, you're going to go on diagonals, you're going to go up and down, left and right. But when you go sideways, there's actually more points of movement you can you can do. So it actually feels really nice and smooth. And your character actually, mm. when you go to turn, they actually like stop for a second as if, you know, in a 3D game where you'd actually like put your leg out to then go the other direction. It controls so smooth and it's just, it's got such a cool blend of, of action, um, you know, mechanics as well as puzzle mechanics. And so far I'm about four, no, about five hours into the game now. Um, I, I love this game. I think it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, wow. I, okay. I think it's absolutely awesome. Um, I don't know if the the plot will resonate with everyone, but I think the gameplay is a winner for anyone that 
anyone that kind of loves those old uh, 2D action RPGs, I think automatically will will find something to love in this game. Um, it's very nice from a pre- presentation standpoint, and it's got a lot going on, especially when you first start the game, you're in like this area with a lot of overlay effects. But what's pretty cool is you can actually customize a lot of that stuff. So you can actually turn off a lot of the extra visual elements if you want a cleaner experience. You go into the options menu and there's so many options in there. The the people that have made this game, it's you can tell it's a labor of love. They've spent so long to just 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 put so much into it. And what's really cool is just some nice features. Not that it's completely unique to this game, but so you're running around fighting enemies, and what will happen is you will start getting when you kill a certain amount of enemies, as long as you within a certain amount of time you'll go up a rank. And then if you keep going up that rank and there's like a cooldown timer that if, you know, it runs out, then your rank will reset, then the enemies will start dropping better loot. So what you end up doing is you end up running through these pretty big zones that are made up of like smaller maps, but it carries across the zones. So you will actually like be rushing through and just like fighting enemies as quickly as you can just so you can get better drop uh, loot. And it makes... It makes it's, I wouldn't say grinding as much because so far I'm only, you know, I said four or five hours in and I haven't had to grind or anything, but you could, it's really fun. And I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing more. And I think it's, the story has potential, um, but it's very quirky. There's a lot of humor to it. Um, and, you know, sometimes humor can be very different for different people with when it comes to, you know, video games. So I think it's fantastic and I think it needs uh, more attention, honestly. Interesting, man. Interesting. So like, you know, I, I'm in the process of signing up to Xbox, uh, game pass right Ultimate. now. Like he's literally, <laughs> right now. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Like, it's crazy, man. Yeah, like, ah, uh, like, it, like this whole game. I just keep on hearing such a good rap from it from everyone. Like it's insane. I can't believe like how many people are calling it out and going, "Oh, you got to play this game. It's such a what good game." What really surprised me about um, the game actually is there's so much depth to the environment. So you think it's okay. It's a two D game. You kind of know what to expect. It's it goes above and beyond in that you are jumping on different levels in the environment and it's it's a very you're very mobile in that game so what's really cool is in an early part of the game um similar to you, you know super metroid how there's that part where you'll see the animals like bouncing off the walls yeah the space yeah. animals and you're like yeah, okay yeah. oh so i can do something like that they kind of do something like that where you see oh all these people jumping across the platforms in the in the area like Oh, that's neat. Because you see other players running around because it's meant to be like an MMO. But they're not everywhere, but you'll see them, you know, coming past. And you see them, like, just running around the terrain and jumping from, you know, hill to hill. And like, oh, awesome. So that kind of just teaches you in an organic way that you're meant to actually do this stuff. And there's tons of secrets like that. Um, It's just really, really cool. And I'm looking forward to, you know, if if you do get a chance to play it and, you know, to see what your thoughts are, I... What I will say is the game, it the kind of has a tutorial that kind of is woven into the narrative and lasts for about an hour at the start. That it, it's good, but it can take a while to. Sometimes you're like, okay, just let me out in the world. 
Um, so that's probably yeah. the, the only negative so far that I've got of it. And a weird, very specific um, thing I wish it did is um, the game has a lot of systems. It is very much an RPG in so many ways. But I do wish that it had the quality of life option that most RPGs have these days, which is an optimize uh, button. So when you look at your equipment, a lot of games will have, okay, I've got all these different pieces of equipment, but the the game has a way to just say, okay, optimize, equip everything that's the best that I have at the moment. Oh, like, and, you know, inventory management's like fit the most optimal yeah. fit out or something yeah. like that. And yeah, most yeah. games will have that these days. The thing is, obviously, depending on how the equipment works, and we'll see, you know, as I play more into the game, it's always going to have extra, like a piece of equipment might be by, you know, like standard defense might be better, but, um, you know, it has these extra elements that are kind of cool. But I'm cool, I've, you know, if you're not having trouble with the game, I'm cool for the majority of the game just to say, okay, just optimize, give me the equip, the best stuff I've got so I don't have to sit there going through it all. And then as I get close towards the end of the game or I start having any rough patches, then I'm actually going to start looking at, okay, I need to equip something that's better at resisting this and things like that. So, but in saying that, it has a lot of other quality of life things that um, are really neat. So I, it's just the one very specific thing that I'm used to because I play a lot of RPGs that I wish it had. So. Oh, no, it sounds awesome. Sounds amazing. Um, I guess I'm looking forward to playing it now, I should say, because I'm going to sign up to this as soon as I confirm that it's definitely <laughs> on. Uh, so, yeah, CrossCode. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, it's not on PC. That's so weird. That's so weird, man. It's only available on Xbox One in the Game Pass, even though it is on PC as a PC game. So I, what I would do is just wait probably a month and it will be on there. That's generally how it works. Oh, okay. So. Okay, I'll do that yeah. then. And then I'll probably sign up so I can play Grounded as well. Cool. Cool. Awesome. So I wanted to uh, flag a concept with you and then actually circle back next week. So the idea is, you know, the way that we both play games, like you definitely play more modern games than I do, but generally we won't play every single modern game that comes out in the year. So we will have perspectives on games that come out in 2020, but as opposed to, I think, a lot of other people who could genuinely say, this is, you know, big wigs game of the year for 2020, I don't think we'll be saying that, like at this stage at least, I don't think. Uh, But one idea that I did have is instead, if we pick a year uh, back in the past, so like a rewind and do a game of the year 2020 for the year 20, you know, 10 or something like that or something trying to make it as confusing as possible. (laughs) Um, So yeah, like I just wanted to sort of float it out there, get your thoughts um, and then thought if you did like it, then we should come back next week with proposals, maybe three proposals each on years that we want to do and why, and then hash it out live. Yeah. I, I love the idea and it's interesting. So I've kind of gone through, the last 20 years or so um, and just kind of looked at, oh, what, what games are within this year? And there are some big years, um, you know. There's oh, some, yeah, there's some there's really some big years. years. And what's interesting is the last, I'd say, 10, the, a lot of the big games, um, I've played a lot of them, but there's a lot of them that are, you know, Sony exclusives that I never played. And what's interesting about those, if we choose that, then I'd need to uh, obviously find a way to actually play your Uncharted 2 or something like that. Um, but we, we'll cross that that bridge when we get there. 
But what I found interesting is the the more you go back, the the bigger those years get. Um, and I guess that's just because that's when we grew up. Um, they're the games that hold special place in our heart. Like you start looking at SNES years, and you go, "Oh my god!" Like that, all these games came out this year. It's insane, you know. So, yeah, yeah, and and maybe as a bit of a rule, because I, I was thinking about this. Because I've already come up with some suggestions, uh, and I'm just trying to hone it down, and I'm trying to make it more like eras rather than, you know, all clustered in the same period of time. But I think just on the year, because like we are from Australia, you know, we receive things in different times mm. than US and Japan. So some some games are legitimately like released over the course of essentially three years. I think just to make it simple. Like we probably should just stick to North America release dates because that's kind of what you commonly see online. Like when you see summaries or Metacritic or whatever, it's, I think it's just going to make our lives easier. And then I think we do a bit of manual work to reject certain games. So for instance, one of the years I was looking at, it had Mass Effect 2 in the year and I'm like, Mass Effect 2 didn't come out that year. And then I realized they were counting the PlayStation release of Mass Effect 2 as Mass Effect 2 had come out in that year. So, I mean, we'll probably talk about the rules next mm. week, but I think it's kind of like the year that people know, or like it's kind of like regarded as like the year that it came out in North America, like on the first platform it came out on. I think that's kind of the rough rule that I have in my head. Yeah, I that makes sense. Uh, I was looking at a certain game and I'm like, okay, what year does this game fall in? Um, because, you know, it's a game I love and I'm like, okay, maybe I can I can kind of tip the ballot a bit. But uh it came out in different years for European territories and it did, which, you know, Australia falls under. Um, then it did North America. I'm like, well, I guess we'd have to go to North yeah. America. So, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, as you said, we're, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be playing The Last of Us 2, honestly, probably this year. Maybe in the future, you know, I might play a lot of the games that I've missed on other platforms. Um, and that's a game that whenever you talk about a game of the year, you'd have to talk about that game. Um, so yeah. I, 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 I love the idea and I think it's, it's going to be interesting because as you said, the more modern, especially the 360 era, there's, there's a lot of games that I know you haven't played. Um, but I know as we go back older, you would have played the majority of the games that, you know, the big ones then. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, Honestly, I'm if if necessary, I'm considering picking up a you know maybe a, a PS3 or something because no, because there's I've always planned on doing that. That's how I've actually always yeah. played PlayStation series uh, consoles. So I've, I own a PlayStation and a PlayStation Two, but I bought them in, when the, when it was the next generation. So we're well obviously into the PS4 now, um, and I never actually went and got myself a PS3. Um, but there's a whole bunch of, I'm not even talking about those big games, but, you know, like your Personas and things like that, that I never played. Um, so, yeah, I I think it's, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, cool. Awesome. So we'll circle back as a special feature next week, because knowing you and I will get into a heated debate about what year we should pick and what year would have the most value to pick and debate. Um, but for this week's, Bane feature, feature, special feature. Uh, we have Konami, and I believe that you're you're going to give a retrospective or your thoughts on this small little Japanese company. Oh, what a surprise! We're talking about Konami, really? Oh man, I Konami. Who would have known? I, we should have flagged it earlier. We should have oh, flagged man. it earlier. We talked about Contra. We talked about Castlevania. <laughs> oh man, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, Konami. Look, I'm not going to give a, a history over the, a, you know, about it. everyone that is into games knows oh. knows Konami. I thought you were going to be like Norm from the Game Historian. Nah. That's what I was ready to receive. You're, you're ready to receive Norm. Okay. All right. Oh, well, I remember that. <laughs> there we go. That's the episode title. Um, so, look, the reason I want to talk about Konami is actually not because we're talking about a Contra board game or, you know, by chance the Castlevania anime series came up. It's actually because there was a new story this week that they're actually entering the PC gaming hardware market. Now, if they've actually released them before in the past, then, you know, then I'm not I'm not sure about that, but it was a big enough news story and people are surprised. And I thought, what the hell is going on with Konami at this point? You know, there, there's there's all the jokes, you know, the F Konami news from Jim Sterling and everything like that. We all joke about it. And then there's obviously the topics which I'll mention um, that, you know, are less joking about, you know, how they've treated employees and the whole Hideo Kojima stuff. But what are they doing right now? So, you know, if anyone doesn't know, obviously Konami is a Japanese developer, but they've been around since 1969. And they they clearly, clearly just don't make video games because if they were just making video games at this moment, they wouldn't be in business because they haven't put any out in <laughs> so long. Um, but they make trading cards, anime, you know, live action, um, you know, things like Godzilla style stuff. Um, but they make a lot of their money from slot machines and pachinko machines. So I've actually been in a pokies venue in Australia and seen Konami logos on the side of the, the pokey machines. So yeah, oh, really? 100%. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And it's so obviously that's a, that's a big market um, to be in the gambling industry, you know, whether or not you know, I'm I'm very much against pokies personally, but it, it's a big yeah. business, you know, whether or not, and it brings in a lot of money for governments and everything like that. So Konami's got their finger in that pie. So, but in terms of video games, I mean, last year they released the Arcade Classics Anniversary Collection, Castlevania as an Anniversary Collection, and the Contra Anniversary Collection. It's interesting, I actually own two of those, so I've been contributed to you know their their income for that year. But the only new game, at least on console, that they actually brought out was Contra Rogue Corps. And, or Rogue Corps, I should say. And look, as much as everyone was excited, oh my god, there's a new Contra, they, from, by all accounts, you have to struggle to find anything positive said about that game online. It seems like they completely dropped the ball oh, with yeah. that game. And oh, yeah. I love, uh, Contra, I love uh, Super Contra, Contra 1. I love uh, Super Pro Protector, which is Contra 3, you know, outside of Australia. I love those games. I even love, love uh, Contra Hardcore as well on the Genesis, even though I only ever played that um, on uh, on emulator. But this year, they've released even less. So they've released like mm-hmm. DLC updates for Pro Evolution Soccer, which is the big money maker, um, which is called Winning Eleven in Japan. Yeah, but I, like, just... Just on that though, they also dropped the ball with that. Like they kind of basically said, "Look, we're really looking at the next gen version yep. of of that game." So we're sort of giving a discounted version of the yeah. game. It's like crazy. Yeah, it's basically just roster updates, you know, by all accounts. Yeah, and like it's literally dialing it in, <laughs> like literally. And depending on when it comes out, potentially that Stadia Bomberman game because they own the Bomberman franchise. So. That's that's from from such a 
like a a renowned developer uh, in years past at least what is going on there like they haven't even like you wouldn't i think they've done ports to mobiles like i'm i'm not talking about mobile specific stuff at this point because it gets very murky there and a lot of that stuff doesn't even come to western mobile platforms but I, just to kind of give you know like an idea to people that aren't exactly sure what they have under their umbrella. You've got the, the big hitters. No. So you've got your Castlevania. We mentioned Contra. Dance Dance Revolution, right? Which is obviously more of an arcade thing. Pro Evolution Soccer we mentioned. Then, you know, of course, Metal Gear and Silent Hill, these huge franchises. Now, something like Metal Gear, obviously there's a complication that Kojima doesn't work there anymore and they tried their hand at something without him and it didn't go so well. Uh, Metal Gear Survive. But then they've also got, like, we talked about Bomberman, right? At least they're doing something with him. But, you know, they've got Frogger, Gradius, Mystical Ninja, like, Suikoden. We mentioned that Aiden Chronicles. Like, they haven't released a new Suikoden game in how bloody long. You know, just the... Well, yeah, and you can see why there's a spiritual successor. Exactly. I mean, they're the studio of spiritual successors. Exactly. And even just, like, random things like Bloody Raw franchise, you know. Not that that's going to make them a lot of money, but... Rocket Knight, the Zone of the Enders, have got so many cool IPs that they're not doing anything with. And what? If- oh, and it's beyond it's beyond cool IPs, though. I mean, like you know, if you take Metal Gear and Castlevania, they're probably like up there is like S tier IPs. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Definitely. Like legitimate, like maybe in the industry you have, I don't even know what the number is, like twenty IPs of that level. And, like, it's genuinely, they have those. And then they have, yeah, like you're saying, a suite of yeah, others I'm, that people would kill I mean, there's for. not going to be a AAA Adventure Island game anytime soon, but it's still an IP <laughs> you have. Or at least, oh, sorry, I should say, these are franchises have released in the past. If some of those IPs have moved around, then I'm not sure. But my understanding is a lot of these are still with them, right? Well, like, in Silent Hill? Yeah. Like, Silent Hill is, like, outside of Resident Evil, is probably still regarded as the maybe the second best horror franchise like i can't really think of anything that would be competing with it yeah it's 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 kind of crazy and what a lot of people said mm. you know, and i agree is they should if they're not going to use this ip first of all you know obviously there's business there's there's business to be made and sometimes it doesn't make sense the business decisions but why aren't they not at least getting other developers to make games of these, right, and publish them? The thing is, I understand that you know they haven't they they probably don't they don't have the dev teams they would have had when they're making those big titles. It's not like, <laughs> interestingly, I've got some stories about that uh, from uh, from a while back. But they, you know, they're not going to have these big devs just lying around doing nothing if they're not making games. So I understand it's not like you can just start making AAA games at the drop of a hat. But you've got these IPs that are huge. And if that if if not, you know, why don't you actually offload some of them? It's it's so like as people complain about Capcom all the time, but oh my god, Capcom is like they're saints compared to Konami in terms of how they treat their IP. You know, at least Well, I think that's more recent as well, right? Like they've done a lot of good things recently. I think if you talked about this maybe two years ago it'd be pretty close but yeah konami's oh, gotten worse and capcom has delivered a lot more I recently i still think it's they'd still be far and above what how konami have acted i'm when i say and when i'm talking about konami i'm talking probably in the last four years right it's 
they're just yeah. it's like they have just dropped off the face of the planet in terms of video game development and i as it no, as a kid and, and it does as it does. a kid i i would <laughs> love seeing the konami screen like you know playing teenage mutant ninja turtles um tournament fighters and super pro protector and the konami logo would come up on screen with the white background the the orange and the the red and be like oh man this is awesome i love konami you know and they're just you know you almost expect studios to close down they've just kind of just faded into into nothing at this point from video game mm. standpoint i mean they made so many good games that they had to make up a, a a separate publisher and studio and lie and say it was as if it was from someone else because nintendo had limits on how many <laughs> games a single publisher could release but they were just like sending out bangers like outside of nintendo I mean, question without notice, outside of Nintendo, off the top of your head, you'd probably take Konami as the best publisher, like, and including all the games that aren't officially called Konami, but are actually Konami games. I can't think of another publisher outside of Nintendo that I'd take the suite of games as, like, that would be the best well, library. definitely, especially from a Japanese standpoint. Like, I love a lot of Square's output, mm. but Square also, you know, make a lot of games that I'm not fond of. And with Konami, just when when you just look at Castlevania and Contra, and I'm I love the Metal Gear series, you know, it's like, man, what what happened? And well, okay, can I explain it to you? <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, okay, like you know, I'm a you know financial person. It's it's actually pretty simple. It's pretty simple. This company is not a gaming company. This company, it literally is referred to as a gambling equipment company in Japan, and when you're talking about it in financial press, it, it doesn't, it makes about 10% of its money from gaming. So, like, and I don't mean, like, gambling, so I'm talking yeah, about yeah. video games. It makes I about know. 10% from video games. The problem is, like, the way it's structured, and, like, this is kind of, like, what happens in these kind of companies. And, you know, yes, they could sell off their IP. I wouldn't be shocked if they did that. I don't think they will, and I don't think that's a logical thing to do either. But... Essentially, what's happening is their their gaming, so video game division, just looking at some of the financial results, it's actually kind of humming along pretty well. Like, it's actually sort of, you know, having 5% year-on-year increases. So, from a P&L perspective, it's actually not doing too poorly, the gaming division. So, it's not a division that you go, oh, get rid of this division because it's suffering or losing money or going down the drain. It's actually still making money. So, whatever they're doing from a P&L perspective, like re-releasing a lot of these old games, putting them in packages, people are buying them. But they're, but they're so not if even you're doing like, that you know, this year. That's the thing is like the output uh, yeah, this year I know, year but so like, <laughs> I know, but as, like ultimately, you know, that's not saying that they're not selling games, right? So they could still be selling games that they released last year that, you know, people are buying Switches. Oh, yeah, I love these old Contra games. Oh, yeah, I love these old games, you know, that Konami released. They're buying them, Castlevania recently, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, if you're the board, shareholders, CEO, 10% of your company and it's just humming along, you just don't care about. Like, that's ultimately what happens. And they would not be thinking about this. And that's why I kind of look at it and go, they're not going to do anything with their IP until they start to really suffer and that division starts to lose money. Because it's still making money, by the way. It's still making healthy profit, that division. They're not going to do anything with it. So unfortunately, from my perspective, unless they have someone internal in the company that becomes a real champion to change this, 
and sort of looks at it and goes, you know what, guys, there's a huge opportunity here. We can make a lot more money. Yes, it won't be the equivalent of our gambling part, but, you know, we could easily double what we're making in this space. It's just not going to, like, move the needle internally. So, unfortunately, I feel like they kind of need to really, really suffer from their video game division before they'll see change. And, I, like, my prediction, based on looking at these numbers we're probably going to just keep seeing what they're doing for many years to come. Like, this is something that takes a long time to turn around. So, unfortunately, I reckon it could be like another four or five year thing where they don't really do anything with their IPs in a really effective way. And it's and it's so true, but it, and it's such a shame. And you've got to think at some point that some of this stuff starts to devalue um, just be, in, in line with the reputation of them as a, as a developer. Um you know, that, that reputation is shot at the point, you know, I know that it's been shot for a while. It's, no, I don't think they're, you know, for instance, I don't see them making a new Metal Gear for a while, um, just simply because... Oh, of, yeah, after Metal yeah. Gear Survive. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, everything that, you know, like, <laughs> as much as, you know, you know, love or hate Kojima, he was so integral to the backbone and the DNA of the Metal Gear series that it's it's kind of hard to really yeah. move on from that. It's... Yeah, and but it's it's just a shame looking at it from I guess from the perspective as okay, the, a whole bunch of these are franchises that you love, and they're just dwindling there. They're just nothing's happening. And look, I'll say you know I, I said I bought the Castlevania Anniversary Collection. I I bought the Contra one. I actually think I bought the Contra one on Xbox. Realized it was on special on Switch and bought it there as well because I'm like, well, actually, I'm going to prefer to play that you know handheld. And yeah. And just playing those games is also like I was playing through um, Castlevania Bloodlines. I never played that; it was uh, only on the Genesis, or at least it wasn't on the SNES. And I'm like, man, like these games are so good, and it's just a shame that nothing's happening with them. At least we do have your Bloodstained, and we've got you know hopefully Aiden Chronicles is also good. So you know we're getting to relive some of that. Um, you know, get get the you know our our fix from other sources there. And obviously Igorashi, you know, behind the Bloodstained series, he was so critical to, you know, that, you know, the, the Symphony Night and, and onwards uh, era of, of Castlevania. But it's just such a shame that, you know, I would like outside of Bomberman, because I think, you know, Bomberman's got such appeal and, you know, people don't think of Bomberman's Konami game. It was, you know, it was from Hudson originally. Um, it's just a shame that, you know, that we're not going to get a lot of new games from them for a while. Like, I'd love to see a new Rocket Knight game. The last Rocket Knight game they made, which was on Xbox 360, I'm guessing it was also on PS3, was was fantastic. Um, it probably wasn't developed by them, but obviously it was published by them. I'm like, you know, Go, uh, Goemon or, or Mystical Ninja, you know, these are kind of games, franchise, franchises I love, and we're not going to see any new game from them if they don't do something. And that just sucks, man. <laughs> it just sucks. Yeah. And and, oh, and don't get me wrong. Like, there's the analytical side. Like, what do I think will yeah. happen? And is it logical from a financial point of view? Like, it's very logical from a financial point of view what they're doing. But from a just a lover of games, like, it sucks. Like, you know, you know, I'm a huge handheld fan. And probably Metroidvanias are like, maybe that's my favorite genre. And the, you know, trilogy of Castlevania games on the Game Boy Advance, which I'll be playing in my analog pocket uh, next year. You know, they're, they're my jam, man. Hmm. Th- those games, that trilogy, 
Like, I played the hell out of those games. Like, I love them so much. Like, I actually booted one of them up recently, and I was just like, wow, I can't believe how much of this is flooding back Mm. to me. Because I just played them religiously, like, on the trains and at uni and everything. Um, So, like, like if they announced a new Castlevania game, maybe, like, a Symphony of the Night, or, like, even a more pared-back version as, like, a new game, like, I would be going insane about that. Like, that would be, you know... I'd probably pay full retail play price for that game if it was just the same experience. Like, I would love that. I would Christian, definitely play have that. You, actually, have you played Bloodstained yet? So, I, okay, so on that, I wanted to play it on the Switch because, you know, if, if it's sort of like on multiple platforms and it's around the same price, I generally like to play it on the Switch just because of the portability. And, you know, also being a dad... You know, it actually is really critical to be able to just step out of a game really quickly. And I love that about the Switch, that you just press Mm. the power button and it, like, you know, freezes the game. It's something that most people probably don't care that much about. But to me, that's become a huge thing that's helpful. Uh, Just how it landed on there, it just was so poor. I was like, wow, okay, (laughs) I probably won't get it on that. Like, I'm kind of holding out because I know they are updating it. You know, if they can get an update that's pretty similar... Like, I'll look to play it, but if they can't, then I'll probably just go and get it on uh, either PC or PlayStation 4, or I guess, you know, whatever the next mm. consoles are. Yeah, mm. and because I've, I've only played the first couple of hours of that game, and they they delivered on that, you know, what can you say? But it, it's it's still just, yeah, like... I, man, I'd love a new Mystical Ninja game. Like, we haven't had one in so long. I'm not <laughs> expecting to ever get one. It'd be cool if they even made a, uh, you know, a collection or something of that. But um, it's... Yeah. Yeah. I... It's just... It's it's one of those situations where it's understandable from from the business standpoint, um, but it just sucks. <laughs> it just it, sucks. It, you know, and... It, it does, and it's like it's a bit unfortunate because I feel like the most logical course of action would be like the real the real thing that could happen is like a Sony or Microsoft buy the IPs for like you know four billion dollars or whatever it would have to be. It'd have to be big numbers, and it kind of just doesn't make sense because Sony doesn't need it, and Microsoft I think would like imagine if Microsoft had Konami's IPs. Like Microsoft, the exclusive place to play Castlevania, Metal Gear, like that's insane, I, right? I wish. But, look, they wouldn't. They don't have the money for it, but I wish Capcom somehow could buy them, or at least. Oh, that's. I never know gonna it's never gonna happen, happen but I would, <laughs> like to me, they would be the perfect developer to take yeah, but the, the reins. <laughs> but I'm trying to. I'm trying to talk about something in the realm of but reality. It's, to <laughs> right? me, it's not that unrealistic that they could potentially, you know, like. Essentially, what they do, you know, they've done it before with many castle, uh, with many um, Konami titles, is just just license the title out, get another developer to make it. You know, why why not do but that? But it's not likely to happen because they're still making money. You like, and I guess what I was trying to say before is, you got to realize this is a very minor part of their business that is humming away nicely. So, from a a dollar sense, I'm, they just look at it and go, "Oh, it's I going fine." Saying, but I'm saying, I think that. That because they've done that before, that is a possible scenario as opposed to selling the IP. They've they've actually they've for instance um, contra um, there was a, a hardcore uprising 
right? Uh, it was a Contra mm. game, but it was kind of a spiritual sequel in a way to to uh, Hardcore. Um, but it was, and that was that was made by a different developer, you know. And surely, yeah. surely there's a, there's a, a revenue model where that makes sense, you know, where they don't take on the burden of the development, but they they're able to at least get you know financial gain out of it. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, from a strategic point of view, you know, like for me, they need to tap into people that love these IPs that have demonstrated uh, experience and ability to make these styles of games in the Mm. past. You know what I mean? Like, and there's a lot of, you know, like the way forwards of the world, like a lot of these people who have made Metroidvanias, like you go, hey, here's Castlevania. Do you want to make a billion dollars? Here's a pretty good way to do it. But again, you know, the fact that they're not doing that indicates to me the leadership is just not interested in yeah. doing that. And until there's an internal sponsor and that changes, it's just not going to happen, unfortunately. Unless there is, like I was saying, a big offer on the table from one of the you know major players in consoles to try to get the IP off them. But I think the fact that Microsoft you know, is a Washington-based company versus you know, you've got Sony is Japanese. They don't really need the IPs as much as Microsoft does. And you haven't had a lot of history with, you know, American companies buying this kind of stuff from Japanese companies. So can't really see that happening. I know it's been rumored a lot, but I think that's more speculation than a real rumor. So yeah, it sucks. And unfortunately I don't see it changing anytime soon. I can't see Metal Gear 6 happening. And I know, you know, how people were talking about PT getting revived. I never believe that. I never believe that. Unfortunately, yeah i I just want someone to do something with these franchises, and at, at some point, it's you know, it, I'm I'm sure it will happen at some point for some of them, but I I worry about those little franchises that are just gonna just nothing's ever gonna happen with them. And I'm not saying there should be a new Parodius game, but you know, like that's I said, like just something like Zone of the Enders, you know, that's, I, I know that's an mm. Okajima kind of uh, baby there, but the, these franchises, you know, outside of potential remasters and releases, they're probably never going to see new titles. So that's a shame. Not, not for a while. Now, the one thing I will call out is outside of situations where the creators have specifically said you cannot make further entries in this IP. And I call that out because that's what's happened with Back to the Future. The people who created that have actually put in like their will that you can't make further Back to the Future movies because they just don't want to see it happen, which is quite interesting. But I think, you know, from a capitalism perspective, if you have a very strong IP that has a big rabid fan base, eventually something's going to be made from it. You know, when they talked about Star Wars and they won't make any more Star Wars films, they're always going to make Star Wars films until we're dead. Just because it's got, like, a pull to it, you know? And I think, especially Castlevania and Metal Gear, and to a lesser degree, Silent Hill, but I'd say particularly those two, they have such a, like, a pull from people. They will make further games in the future. They will make a Metroidvania, Castlevania eventually. But, you know, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, unfortunately, which kind of is a bit of a bummer. Oh, well, here's hoping something happens. <laughs> well, on on that uh, very shiny note, <laughs> it sort of wraps up uh, the podcast for this week. Um, so if you do want to reach out to us, you can hit us up on bigwigpod at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter on at bigwigpod. 
and if you do want to see the community grow uh, and you want to see this audience grow, make sure you give us a five-star review or a thumbs up on your podcast service because uh, that helps people find us. Uh, with that, bye-bye.